interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, humans! It's Rob here with Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show. This is number 106, the world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes. And with me, as always, is Josh. Hello, humans. And not hello to the robots. Definitely not the robots. I'm looking at you, Bender Bending Rodriguez. You <laughs> yes. Honestly, of all... Of all the like uh, animated robots, he might be my favorite. Of all the that's times he wanted to kill all humans, I think he saved the human race more. So yeah, that's true. I gotta rewatch all the Futurama and, and check my my work. Rosie from the Jetsons was pretty freaking handy. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> she, she, was, she was pretty damn handy. I mean, you have to be when your boss constantly gets locked out of the house. So <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you ever want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to comics at notarobotpodcast.com and you can get us on Twitter too at notarobotcomics. We're also on buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcast and you can join us there for very little a month. And we have a Discord server that all of us are online pretty much every day talking about all sorts of stuff. We're always talking about the latest news and, and random shit that we just come up with off the top of our heads. It's fantastic. I love talking to everybody on there. Uh, so today's books, though, we're looking at a little more in-depth. We're looking at Sword of Azrael, number one. Batman White Knight Red Hood, number one. New Champion of Shazam, number one. Multiversity Teen Justice, number three. Poison Ivy, number three, Batman, number 126, Flashpoint Beyond, number three, and Dark Crisis, number three, as well as a couple of honorable mentions that may end in three. But, but <laughs> before we get into that, I think there's some news to talk about. What's going on in your world right now, Josh? Um, not, a, not, not a whole lot. Uh, last week, did I tell you guys that I had started to quit smoking? Yes. I am still I am still smoke free. It's the first time in a year that I've made it longer than a week. So yay. Nice. Um it involves uh um well I'm on my second ounce of C B D and I have about I I have I have had my wife buy about six pounds of candy. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, so I've constantly got something in my mouth, and I'm kind of doing like a, a a smoking replacement thing with the CBD deal, and uh, it, it's been helping me. It has really been helping me. Right thank on. goodness. Yeah, thank. I've you been smoking. Yeah, I've been smoking since I was 13. Okay. Uh, so that is 30 years, right on the nose, man. It's a, it's about oh. time for me to quit. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> well all the power to you as as we Thank said you. last week we're all believing in you and rooting for you so i know you got this man and i know well thank you and i know that you've got a buttload of news i just have like a couple small pieces um some that is definitely going to fit into rob's uh first let me say dc has launched a new website called dc.com which is basically oh, yes. going to be a hub 
for all things DC that has a link to all of their everything. Apparently, their community boards are going to be moving over there. They'll be having a lot of events, trivia, uh, Riddler Day, all kinds of stuff like that. So make sure you go over to DC.com, check out that website. Make sure you get registered so you get access to 10% off the uh, any any item in the store and uh, access to exclusively free comics. You can only get there. All kinds of benefits that you can take part in at DC.com. The next thing is, man, the ad. This isn't really news. I just wanted to throw this in there. The ad for Deceased War of the Undead Gods makes me so super excited for that to come out. Yeah, that art is fantastic. I know, right? And it's just War of the Undead Gods. And, and seeing the cast that's that's a part of it, oh, that makes me super excited. Um, yeah, that, that little Justice it, League they have there is, is quite a nice touch. Indeed it is. I couldn't yeah. agree more. I uh, And then that those are just the two little nuggets that I've got before I, uh, I'm i going to uh, mention the things that tie into what Rob's got to say. Um, straight from David Zasloff himself, uh, the Snyderverse is too expensive and it would be too convoluted to unravel and stitch back together. So, after The Flash, there will be no connections to the Snyderverse. They have even gone so far as to say that the Whedon version is the official version from WB. Even though the other version did a lot better financially. Yeah. Way better. This was way better in every sense of the word. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes it was. That reminded me, I saw... Uh, actually, on Twitter today, um, apparently there's somebody making a documentary about... I don't remember what the documentary is about. I think it might be DC Films in general. And asked for uh, asked Warner Brothers Discovery for some clips from Zack Snyder's Justice League. And she was told uh, there is only one version of Justice League, and that's the 2017 version. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Which is just uh, wild to think about. So stupid. So dumb. So dumb. So dumb. <laughs> but uh, uh, before I let Rob take over, and I'm just going to say this, uh, without spoiling the news that Rob's got to share, if everyone out there is unaware, uh, James Gunn has said, Peacekeeper is safe and y'all need to stay calm. And Rob, I will hand it over to you. Right on. So as that is said, what James Gunn said about Peacekeeper Season 2, take that to heart. Keep that in your mind as I go down this list. So, Please. <laughs> first off, this is true. If you haven't been online in the past couple of days, the Batgirl movie starring Leslie Grace is officially canceled, despite the fact that they finished principal photography or i think they finished filming completely uh yeah it's 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 like 90 they said it's like 98 percent done yeah and they're they're in the middle of post-production and then uh executive said that sorry too bad no more um as you mentioned earlier like with you and i talking earlier that's the thing about money i've heard a few different things that apparently um all the uh test viewings deemed it 
pretty much unwatchable or unreleasable, I think was the official term, and was even quoted as uh, like an episode of really garbage TV. Oh, geez, man. Yeah. Well, I didn't I, see that one, but that I is don't know sad how to hear. accurate that is because the, the cast is fucking stacked. <laughs> the and cast it's... is stacked, but they yeah. did really tweak Barbara Gordon. Yeah. And, well, it, it. I mean, they brought in a new best friend. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't give a shit about her being Latina. I don't care about that. Um, yeah. That wouldn't bother me at all. But I don't know any of this. The, when you say yeah, tweak Barbara Gordon, this is all news to me. <laughs> they 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 adopted, from what I understand, they adopted a lot of different personalities from a lot of the different Robins and kind of threw it into Barbara without the whole Oracle part of her. So uh, it's like she's just another Robin, and that would that would bother me. But that's the only thing that I heard about it that uh, regarding anything within the movie itself. The only thing that I know is, yeah, the only thing, well, I mean, I guess, but the only thing that, oh, was it? See, I didn't even know that. I didn't know it was supposed to be an origin story. All right. Um, The only thing that I know is right now is that Warner Brothers Discovery has very little time to get rid of any and all things that could potentially cost them money without it showing up on their books for their stockholders. So they are expect over the course of, I would say at least over the course of the next six months, um, some very tight lips. And within, I, I would say by a year's time, we're going to have a more defined plan for DC as far as films go. But we'll have to wait and see. That, that is definitely the hope. Um, they, I'm just double checking that. I was reading that they... Uh... We're supposed to have, yeah, their second quarter earnings call today at 4.30. So as, as of an hour ago, uh, their second quarter earnings call for 2022. Um, I don't know if that would shed light on anything, but they, they might. That, since that happened about an hour ago, so <laughs> that yeah, right. will be the, the opening time uh, to see if any of these rumors, and I, I say that very strongly, these are rumors, nothing is confirmed as of yet of any of these bits of news that i have ahead of us um but i imagine in the coming days we will know for sure uh so not only was batgirl canceled but the scoob sequel is also canceled which uh, oh, i didn't no. realize was was written by paul dini which that that that's no shit yeah i didn't know paul dini wrote that oh wow man I, that I, I really makes me want to that makes me want to watch it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's a shame. Those two are out officially. Uh, but now there are rumors going around. Uh-oh. Um, and, and nobody can confirm where these rumors have come from. Nobody has any sources Tell to me something good. Can you tell me anything good? I feel like the hesitation is that this is all bad news. <laughs> sorry i just saw brandon's message oh um, uh, yeah brandon's not with us and apparently it's because he is in the hospital and uh we are uh, th- this is breaking news folks uh we don't know why but uh whatever is going on we wish you the best brandon definitely 
Yeah, so... And now back to our program. As the rumor goes, the Flash spin-off Supergirl starring Sasha Cali and CW's Gotham Knights TV show are next to be chopped. And they will be going wait, to wait, wait, Girl wait, 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 wait. Say that one more time. What <laughs> shows? Uh, so the Supergirl movie, the spinoff of the Flash movie that is supposed to happen. Sasha Cali is going to be Supergirl in Flash. And then she's yeah. supposed to get her own spinoff movie. That is potentially rumored, maybe speculated to be canceled next. Huh. And at the same okay. time, CW's Gotham Knights TV series will also be oh. canceled. Thank goodness. I know there's one good, one bad. <laughs> but again, all yeah, of this honestly, is I hearsay. I really want I really would like to see Kelly's version of Supergirl. I really would. Um the reason being is Supergirl's a, a, a badass character depending on who's writing her. And um you know, and hope hopefully they they would go with the iteration that is stronger and smarter with than than Clark. Um, instead of impetuous and angry, but yeah, I, I I really wanted to see that. As far as Gotham Knights, the CW TV show goes, go. I can't believe that shit made it to filming. Let alone yeah. producing, a, let alone producing a, a pilot. That's fucking insane. Yeah, that's. I, I, I'm still just unimpressed with that initial trailer. <laughs> I don't know how anybody is excited about that, unless you're somebody that loves the CW immensely and just likes teen dramas. Which chances are you might be a teenager. So I say that, but I actually know a lot of adults that love teen dramas. There, you know, there's a couple that are good, but fuck, I people I know that were like, no, Riverdale's good. Now they're starting to be like, oh, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't. Three you, seasons ago. <laughs> I don't. Okay, here's the thing. I the CW is where good ideas go to die. All right, that that because Smallville and Supernatural were fantastic. Yes, I well, I mean, Supernatural was was the epitome of CW. Yeah. Back when it first came out, and then it just it grew into its own thing because of the yeah. fans. Um, but uh, Superman and Lois is is uh, that is that I that would have an easy home in, on HBO Max. It has no business being stuck on just CW. Superman and Lois is a fantastic show. Yeah. Um, as far as everything else goes in the CW, it's just bad. It's just plain bad. Um, everything is a team rom com, just with a different narrative and different characters and the only one that i will say that is different is riverdale riverdale is isn't meant to be a teen drama as far as i'm concerned it's just set out to be as weird and wacky as the archie comics were and i think that they have done a fantastic job it's weird every single episode makes you roll your eyes Every single episode makes you say, why the fuck am I still watching this? <laughs> Yet, guess what you're doing next week? <laughs> All right. 
fuck, I was with you there from the first episode. I was like, all right, no, this is stupid, but I dig it. But the first episode <laughs> of the first year, I was like, I don't know what's happening. It's fucking weird, but I like it somehow. And and I did that for two and a half seasons later. And halfway through season three, I was like, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It's all over the place. It's wacky. It's wild. And... um. It's wacky, it's wild, and it, it's it's something else. What it definitely isn't is a show like The Flash or 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 I always say these because I don't know, I don't say I don't watch CW and have it in a long time. Um, like uh, shows like One Tree Hill or Gossip Girl or The OC or yeah. Vampire Diaries, all all of those definite teenage. I don't even. I wouldn't even call them rom coms. Would you call them teenage dramas? Yeah. Um, yeah. That that sounds about right. But they're all garbage. I, I, it, Riverdale might be garbage too, but it's a different type of garbage. It's definitely a different type of garbage. It's a higher class <laughs> of garbage. But there you go. <laughs> garbage is still garbage all the same. <laughs> um, well, shit, all the same. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all the same. Oh fuck! I miss Shorzy. Speaking of shows that haven't had a season two confirmed yet, fucking a. So, <laughs> holy CW Legends of Tomorrow still maybe the best thing they ever put out there. Whether you enjoyed it or not, you have to admit the quality was good, the acting was great, the storylines were fantastic, and the comedy is solid. It was not trying to be a serious teen drama on the CW. It was trying to be different, and it did it well. Damn it. It did not deserve yeah. the ending it got. Nope. It was trying to be a superhero comedy, and for something that was released on broadcast television, mm-hmm. it did a damn good job. I will give it that. Yeah. I feel like I it would have... After a while, I think they even just dropped the whole idea of superhero because they, they Well, kind really, of. They did away with powers and costumes a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then they just pretty much turned into funny time cops. And uh, anyway... Yeah. Um, it was still good. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was um, good. It was like again, it was it was Riverdale from DC, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. I um, think that had I think had that uh, premiered on HBO Max and allowed to go from there, I think that would have been fucking amazing. And oh, yeah. I I would say that Doom Patrol. I would yeah. say that about Green Arrow if Green Arrow started on HBO Max. That would be awesome. I think if Black yeah. Lightning, I think if Black Lightning started on HBO Max, there's a damn good chance that would have been the best DC show, period. Um, because they so. would have been allowed to delve way deeper into Jefferson Pierce and, and Thunder and Lightning. I can't remember his daughter's names, but Thunder and Lightning. And, and it's just, oh, goodness. I could go on and on and on about that subject, but they don't. Berlanti and, uh, wow, the other dude, I... I completely fucking forgot his name. What's his name? Uh, Greg Berlanti and um, Guggenheim. Guggenheim, yeah, Mark Guggenheim. Yeah. Y- y'all, y'all Uncle fuck Gaggy. a lot of shit. Yeah, Uncle Gaggy, you fuck a lot of shit up. <laughs> <laughs> Classic R arrow like Reddit arrow uh, subreddit fans will remember Uncle Guggy. <laughs> Uncle <laughs> Guggy. <laughs> And for all you uh, R Flash TV readers out there, if you remember good, like, or going to season nine, we'll say, like, seven, eight years ago, Reverse Flash is a refrigerator. It was me all along, Barry. 
and <laughs> walk out the darkness. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Reverse flash as a refrigerator. That was some of my favorite times on the internet. <laughs> if you don't know that, Josh, if you don't know that post, I need to fucking share it with you. It was fucking fantastic. The off-season was just nothing but shit posts, and it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did, I did enjoy that meme. I do remember that meme. I think my favorite meme of all time, though, is um, the one that says, Nick Cage's hair is a bird. Your argument is invalid. Yeah, <laughs> I I still say that to people. I don't have a picture to show them. I I mean, like I will lit. I love that meme so much. I say it to people. I know that's fucking weird, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, some fun times on the internet. <laughs> fun. Um. Right. So there's there's a few more rumors in the rumor mill. So there is going around. This is not confirmed, but this honestly it might be more likely considering all the restructuring that's been going on in management uh that flash aquaman 2 and shazam 2 are having their dates pushed back again that's not confirmed but it is so minor it's probably gonna happen um why now when fucking when, knows, but... <laughs> when it was an when it was announced um at uh sdcc or when it was discussed on sdcc from what i if i'm remembering correctly um the Flash, the Flash, and Aquaman. Uh, the Flash was supposed to come out first, and then Aquaman was supposed to follow a couple of months later. And apparently, that order has been reversed. So they actually had to bring in, from what I understand, of course, this is you know welcome to the rumor mill. But um, that that Aquaman Flash got pushed after Aquaman, so they had to take out Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton's Batman in the Aquaman movie, and have Ben Affleck come in and shoot batman scenes to take the place of of michael keaton and um, just stop fucking with shit (laughs) they they do and i you know what when when they're going back and forth and dealing with this kind of crazy fucking shit i as much as it hates me to say it i understand how it is too convoluted to try and make uh something nice out of the mess that happened um frankly from Zack Snyder's daughter you know uh if if that wouldn't have happened you know and uh, you know I'm not saying you know anything about that but if it wouldn't have happened we'd be looking at a totally different WC WC Jesus WBDC film universe and um but uh now now we got WB saying that Whedon is right and that is horrible especially considering how horrible horrible of a person he is yeah but yeah, um, horrible of a movie that was too whoops <laughs> there we I go okay huh? yeah you heard a noise i accidentally unplugged my headphones whoops oh. <laughs> <laughs> well that that uh yeah that's awkward <laughs> yeah um you were the noise so the last thing I heard, I heard actually on the way in, and this is funny to me, and, and I explained to Josh the story behind it, but I did not tell him what it is. And I saved this for last because it's very near and dear to my heart, and I'm begging you, please, rumor mail, stop fucking with my <laughs> heart. Please. So <laughs> this little tidbit of information came directly from 
of all places, Giant Freakin' Robot, which, as we all know, them alongside Bleeding Cool and a few other choice sites um, are notorious for just saying, dude, just trust me, it's happening. And then they'll always say, our trusted proven certain, this is what I find hilarious, on their, their website, Giant Freakin' Robot says, in the article, they have a hyperlink on the words trusted proven source and it leads you to a page that has all the articles that were proven correct but i would like to see the opposite of all the articles that were proven wrong because i want to see what's more accurate or how many more there are of we of it of each i bet you they're the exact same number I, 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 really I bet you they're the exact same number <laughs> because I feel like what happened was that they would write and that they would hear a rumor. They would print the rumor about how it's going to be true. But I bet you that they also print in an article about how it's going to be false. Yeah. Like BuzzFeed. I mean, that's that's the whole CBR. Uh, <laughs> right. Strategy, so, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't be surprised. Totally, totally works. Yeah. So. So this rumor came out earlier today, posted strictly only, specifically only by Giant Freakin' Robot, and all they say is trusted proven source, they do not provide any evidence, links, anything to back it up and say that it's actually going to be true. Meanwhile, a writer for Screen Rants tweeted not too long ago, maybe two, three hours ago, uh, in response to that saying, guys, I talked to people at Warner Brothers Discovery, and trust me, is not canceled. Everything's fine. It's all good. But also in the same bread, not proving anything, not providing any sources, not providing any links or anything. And both sites are just saying, dude, just trust me. Okay. Like, just trust me. And they're saying opposite things. And I just, I don't know what to believe. And it's fucking killing me because they're saying that the Green Lantern HBO Max series is also canceled. Nah, I doubt it. Here's the thing, and the reason why I'm saying that, because I've not seen anything that says anything about any of their shows. The one thing that I have seen from execs is that they are moving any potential films slated for HBO Max release. They are either going to be canceled or released in the theater. Now, from what I understand, that or or released in the theater part is total bullshit. They're just going to be canned. But that's just the films that were planned, not the TV shows. So Doom Patrol, Titans, and the upcoming Green Lantern Corps show should all be safe. Okay, I hope so. See, I was also seeing Me too. a thing that... Uh, was saying that uh, they're they're planning on moving HBO Max away from scripted content, and I did not get a chance to dive into that little tidbit and see what the fuck that means. Because uh, what what's not scripted content that's not trash reality TV? Which, that there is nothing that it's scripted content. Yeah, that is scripted content, but yeah. um, it's called unscripted content, just like you know. Uh, the WWE is called professional wrestling. It's professional stuntmen. Yeah. Okay, so this this is an update from, and if you know her, you know her, Grace Randolph. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I think I mentioned during the recording that uh, at four thirty they had their earnings call, 
Uh, David Zaslav is promising a 10-year plan for DC based on what Iger and Horn did with Feige over at Marvel, focused on quality, and says The Flash is still coming out. So that is confirmed, because that was also, like, depending on who you talk to, was also a rumor that it was on the axe soon. Um, yeah, they, they can't. They've sunk over $100 million into that freaking $70 million movie. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Um... There was one more thing that said that they will take as long as possible to make these films the best before releasing them. So they're not going to put a deadline on something, hopefully. Be like, okay, we got this movie, we got this script, we got two years to make it, because coming out in two years, no fucking ifs, ands, or buts. No, that's, that's, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> if you're trying to make it big, make, it, make you... it proper, make it right. Learn from the gaming industry and delay something so it's good fucking quality. Do you remember when Just or Batman versus Superman was going to come out? And the next thing you knew, we had like eighteen movies slated for DC. Yep. Do you remember I that still shit? Reference that that conversation that there was that little special on CW that Kevin Smith and uh, Jeff Johns were talking about all the stuff coming up. And I remember I circled my fucking calendar. Green Lantern, the movie, was supposed to come out in 2020, and I'm pretty sure if they never had a release date, I might have just, like, speculated it would be so cool if it was in March around my birthday. But it's supposed to come out in 2020 with Cyborg, and it never fucking did. <laughs> and I'm mad. Yeah, well, we knew we knew Cyborg wasn't going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Which sucks, because um, Ray Fisher was the one that was cut out of Justice League the most, and he was... I think he was a damn good cyborg, but anyway. He was a really good cyborg. Like, after seeing, and I don't think we ever really got a chance to talk about this in depth, after seeing Zack Snyder's Justice League, I understand why a good portion of his story was cut, because out of the four hours, like, a good two hours was Cyborg's story, so it was a lot of fucking footage for just Cyborg, and he can't release a four-hour movie in theaters. It's a shame, that, but... Uh, if, That's if they were able bullshit. to like, delve his story into something a little tighter, I would have loved to have had that story in the the theatrical release. But it, it was I just so much content. So tired. I am so tired of hearing from all these people that anything longer than two and a half hours is too long to watch a movie because bullshit. All you assholes out there that fight with me that Titanic is a fantastic movie is like three and a half hours long and your ass is sat in a theater for that so shut up three and a half four hour longs is okay for a movie just budget your bathroom breaks that's that's the thing so i i can't stand the titanic as much as the next person uh and oh, my God, bladder will disagree with you <laughs> I have a bladder <laughs> of, a, of a peanut and they don't even see, see. I- if that tells you I remember <laughs> I remember when I was younger that movies used to have intermission. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. They should bring that back. They really yeah. should, but unfortunately having to stop for 10 minutes for to allow for bathroom breaks and refills on a drink means that if they add that up throughout the whole day, they've taken away one whole film of that movie that they could that they could show, which is stupid. But whatever. Yeah. Oh, see, it after diving a little deeper, there there is a tweet from a a, a 
a notable person in the leaker community that says, um, I'm pretty sure the Green Lantern HBO Max was canned a while ago. They just didn't announce it. Um, and that was two days ago. So that, uh, <laughs> that yeah, was before exactly. Batgirl was even announced, I think. So fuck. Wait, we'll, we'll see in the coming days <laughs> what's happening. Um, basically, well, if we you remember last really week, haven't we heard anything. Yeah. 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 Uh, and just how WB just basically didn't show up. Uh, but Marvel yep. showed up with, like, here, here's a fucking free car under your chair. Go. Like, the <laughs> world. And DC was like, Dr. Phil, just sad and alone. Um, Right. This is here's, it. Here's this here's is Aquaman. <laughs> here's Black Adam. There's other shit, but we're not acknowledging it. Yeah, and because they're and then canceling uh, <laughs> so, what was what was the biggest flux. question asked of the Black Adam slash Aquaman panel? When is Henry Cavill coming back? Yeah, which I'm like, ah, that's Dwayne hilarious. Johnson? Well, because well, he's, he's not going to know. <laughs> Dwayne Dwayne Johnson got Black Adam movie made through sheer power of will. Uh, yeah, he's also like the <laughs> he's he's the most electrifying man in entertainment. So it's, <laughs> like, he's he's gonna get shit done. That's the thing about Dwayne Johnson. I I kept meaning to bring it up with you guys. I kept meaning to mention. I'm impressed with the fact that Dwayne Johnson is doing more to market his two movies in League of Super Pets and Black Adam than WB has basically done for the last year. <laughs> yeah, 100 yeah. percent dude. I mean the guy the guy is a money machine. He yeah. He knows what he's um, doing. Mm-hmm. He knows how to work it. Selling yeah. shit is how he became popular. You know, he had to sell himself. You smell what I'm cooking? He does. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you think. Yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Rock. Yeah, so... so I, I actually just watched some clips yesterday of classic rock on the mic bits. It's so fucking good. Yeah. One, one of the best shoot interviews... Interviewers, period. Yeah. Interviewees. Yeah, un, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. On the mic, live, personal. So funny. You can't go wrong with the rock. Definitely. You know what? Yeah, I mean, sure, he did the Tooth Fairy, but whatever. Hey, yeah, you know. Apple. Yeah. Right? And was the Tooth Fairy really that bad? I know my kids loved it. Uh, I didn't watch it. <laughs> I <laughs> couldn't tell you. Like, there was something that they loved about a 10-foot-tall dude wearing a tutu, trying to be tiny and cute. They thought that shit was hilarious. Yeah, I, I, I could see where that can be humorous, yeah. I don't know. It's it's definitely a thing. I know you're you 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 have claimed to be a big Zack Snyder fan, and I I can accept that. I can I can appreciate that. I can respect that. I don't love everything he's done, and everything yeah. he's done is not the greatest. But I do I do like what he does. Yeah. Um. And I have enjoyed Zack Snyder in some regards, but what I want is for people to just hop off his dick <laughs> pardon my crude phrasing there are people no, 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 no. on the internet specifically twitter that just take it too far <laughs> you're there for a black cat presentation and you're still making it about Zack snyder dwayne johnson's not going to know the fucking answer 
Yep. No, he's just, to, just leave he, the he shit alone. for Henry Cavill. He did try to get Henry Cavill as a cameo. He did want that, but fucking talk to the David Zaslav. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, what he wanted was things to work into a Black Adam versus Superman movie. Yeah, which... He wanted them to fight. Hell yeah, we would. Know? Who knows? I don't even remember his answer to that question when, when somebody asked him. I don't remember, but it was classy as fuck. I remember thinking uh, it it was a, a good answer. <laughs> yeah, it that's it was a it was a very polite deflection and and mm-hmm. then carrying on to promote, you know, yeah. like a professional. That's what he does, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this the, these past couple of days actually does. Speaking of Henry Cavill, it reminds me of that day when, when like, I don't even remember what the big news was, but everything was just in flux and. People were like, is Henry Cavill going to be Superman still? And there was no fucking word. And we still, at like three years later, still have no confirmation uh, that he was officially fired. People reported he was fired, but then other people were reporting. Now WB says he's not fired, uh, but like everything's fucking canceled. And then the only thing Henry Cavill said about that to this day was a, a brief 10 second silent video where he held up a Superman action figure and then cut to black. And nobody knows what that means to this fucking day. <laughs> so, like, I'm Superman. Y'all know I'm Superman. They won't let me be Superman. I'm sorry, but that super sucks, man. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. He, I don't give a shit what anybody says. Man of Steel was a fucking awesome movie. Yeah, that's right. I said it. I, I don't disagree with you there. I, I think as much, and this is speaking as somebody that, I, I I don't mean to always bring up Green Lantern, as somebody that's actually a huge fan of the Green Lantern movie, <laughs> despite the fact that I know how bad it is and how many flaws it has, <laughs> I've still watched it a dozen and a half times. Um, and I say a half because I fell asleep one night. It was like 2 a.m. But I just really wanted to watch it. <laughs> I, I, I can regard how Man of Steel has its flaws too. But it was very fucking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most of those flaws for me are pockent. <laughs> it's a very, very weird pockent. But that's a discussion for another time. I, I am very awkward with my opinions on movies, apparently. Uh, I share opinions on, on what makes a movie good and bad that nobody else fucking shares. At least according to my friends when we talk about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. And how Sandman was the only good part of that movie. So. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I'm not alone out there. I will stand to this point till the the day I die. Fucking Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman was the only good part of Spider-Man 3. That's it. Cut a Venom. My favorite thing that. You have a good fucking movie. My whole. My favorite thing Thomas Hayden Church has ever done was an old TV show called Wings. And I fucking loved it so much. Oh, like the like it was what, the, from the '80s, right? That show. It wasn't quite in the '80s, but yeah, it had him and Tony Shalhoub and. Uh, right, right, yeah. I no, I can't remember the other dude. But Fraser, it was the third show that Fraser Crane was on. Kelsey Grammer's Fraser Crane, periodically. It's like a I little, don't, I don't remember him being on there but that's that's it was only on there for like one or two episodes i think but that's like one of the class bits of tv trivia that fraser crane was on three different shows that were completely unrelated (laughs) 
Cheers, Frasier, and Wings. Ah, no shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, this discussion means that I need to go back and rewatch Wings. There you go. But <laughs> what do you think, man? Do you think we are all wrapped up in the news, or do you got some more news that can fit in here? Um, Gotham Knights the video game is getting costumes, and they look dope as shit. There's some Fuck, yeah, they do, and there's some stuff like straight out of the fucking comics and it looks fucking great that's it <laughs> i'm excited for that it does a lot of them are awesome there's um almost like there's there's almost like a batman beyond version for all four of yeah. them and they actually it's it, beyond it's line they actually call it that yeah oh do they call it that oh sweet yeah, i didn't see the names for section, it yeah. so fucking sick yeah. i can't wait to see all of them i haven't gotten a chance to look at them my phone was glitching before the before the podcast showed up, but I will be looking at them. After. There, there is a, a run of four suits that is legit. Basically, their current comic costumes. That's really awesome, good. dude. Yeah, I mean, Red Hood doesn't have like the half mask; he's got the full helmet. But apart from that, it's pretty much comic book accurate. It's really cool. Yeah, that I see. I'm I know I'm alone, but I that that half mask with the domino mask on top of it, it looks so cool. Oh, I like it. I think it's really cool. It's not a hood. That's the only thing. But when he wears the red hood, it's cool. <laughs> well, I mean, none of it's a fucking hood. Yeah. Yeah. It, Everything it is a mask. Is his name Red Mask? I mean, come on now. <laughs> red red full face covering. Yeah. It's a little I mean, bit too much to roll out of the mouth. It just goes back to uh, his Robin days. and Even his red hood origin. Under the helmet, he had the domino mask. So why the fuck not? You should. Just yeah. saying. But yeah. all right, if we are all done with the news, we are going to move over to a few honorable mentions. There are a lot this week with Brandon having to attend his emergency function. That means that we had to pare it down quite a bit just before recording. So our honorable mentions are going to be the following. First, Sword of Azrael, Dark Knight of the Soul is out. This reprints the Azrael stories from Urban Legends number 8 through 10. And those stories lead directly into the Sword of Azrael mini that we're going to be covering later this episode. Black Adam JSA Files Cyclone number 1. Basically continuing the setup of the JSA in a book that is just a tie-in for the movie as far as I can tell. But it is pretty good. I won't hate on it just because it's a tie-in. If it was a shitty one, you'd hear it from me first, though. Speaking of shitty, Batman Killing Time number six. It is the end of the line for this title. I guess if you've been into it, spend the money. I wish I could take the money back that I spent on the six issues, but hey, that's the that's the price you pay for being a comic reviewer, I suppose. Yeah. DC versus Vampires number eight is frigging excellent, and. After hearing that Marvel Zombies is getting its own animated show, I want it caked in the teeth with a DC vs. Vampires animated show. Because <laughs> it would. It would kick it right in the undead teeth. Um, finally, we've got three more pieces of honorable mentions. A little longer. Um, Aquaman Andromeda number two. This has Aquaman in the title, but really, it's like a it's a super deep suspense driven story that just so happens to be in the Aquaman universe. 
somewhat slowly getting into the relationship that the story has with Aquaman and Black Manta. And um, if this, again, if this week wasn't so heavy, we would have been covering this fully. But let me just say this. If you're a Ram, if you're a Ram V fan, you need to pick up this series. It is the shit. I promise. Batman Beyond Neo, Neo Year number five. Uh, it took me a second to see the three months later made out in the panels that was in there after <laughs> Batman cool. is in the grave. That was really neat. I can't remember the last time I saw something like that. Um, I really dig the art. This is this is admittedly premature, but if they can stick this momentum, character development, and story progression out over. For, give me seven more issues of the same quality, then there's a damn good chance that I will have to apologize to Dan Jurgens, <laughs> Because that would mean this is going to be my best Batman Beyond story arc, my favorite one. And um, granted, like I said, it's a bit premature, but if it's headed in the direction that I'm hoping it is, seven issues later, sorry, Dan. And then finally, we have... Harley Quinn number 18. I have been an adamant voice against Harley for a long time. There's been a lot of flip-flop. There's been a lot of, hey, it's in continuity. Hey, it's kind of in continuity. And it all looked like shit because Riley Rosmo was there. Well, Riley Rosmo is not on it anymore. And that's great news for any book that he has been on. Um, <laughs> it... <laughs> The book is really good, and um, it's at least loosely connected to a lot of other things that are going on in continuity. Um, and personally, I would like to suggest that starting next week, which is when the next issue comes out, if I understood that correctly, um, not next month, but next week, I think we should maybe bring this back into the fold. Oh, what say enough. you? I, I haven't had a chance to go too deep into it yet myself, but I have flipped through it and saw some of the connections and continuity has got going on. And I really dig the art, though I always did. Um, <laughs> the story seems pretty interesting, yeah. and, I, and I've seen some stuff of where it's going forward with solicitations. So, yeah, I'm all for that. I do enjoy yeah. some Harley Quinn, especially. Oh, shit, that's the other piece of news I completely forgot with all the news coming out this week. Fucking Harley Quinn Season 3 dropped this week. Oh, yeah, and it's yeah. fucking great. Oh, my it God. so fucking... I can't believe they got Codpiece. <laughs> I'm waiting all week to talk about that. I fucking cannot believe piece. they got Codpiece. Um, <laughs> and also, for those, for those of you... <laughs> for those of you that are out there that are worried about... Um, about Harley Quinn, the animated series... I want to let you know that the payoff has finally happened. We just had to wait a little while. And uh, Batman finally ate some cat. Meow. It wasn't very good, though. Apparently not. Because she said, why bother continuing? But in any case, it, it, it... Oh, God, I fucking love that show. I could talk about it for a long time. That shit is hilarious. One of my favorite adult cartoons of all time. Definitely. But that is all that I have for the honorable mentions. And um, let's see, for spotlights, looks like we've just got three titles, huh? 
Wait, before we continue, just so I, I can uh, confirm with my notes, where are we fitting Flashpoint Beyond? Into features? And... I wrote it down, I think, didn't I? Yes, and... Oh, okay, no, you have it in, in depth, right? Okay. Yep. All right. Okay, gotcha. Sorry. So we had to... You're all right, man. We had to re- we had to shuffle around our review order to uh, accommodate the shuffling of the reviews and the lack of one of our co-hosts. Again, we found out it's something to do with his dad, so lots of love, thoughts, and some prayers that are going out to Brandon and his family. We, uh, we hope everything is all right. All right, well, I will go ahead and kick the spotlight off. With the Sword of Azrael, number one, it is a very, very, very quick uh, summary, but uh, here we go. This was written by Dan Waters, so you know it's good. Art and colors from, come from Nicolas Sesmesia and Marisa Louise. Lettering from Hassan Atsmane Alhau, uh, with a cover from uh, Sesmesia and Rabiolo Fayardo Jr., um, like I said, this is super quick because really, of course, it's just one super long setup issue that basically sets about hammering into you that Jean-Paul Valley wants nothing to do with Azrael anymore. Well, he's really not given a choice. A woman ends up at the monastery shores and is asking specifically for Azrael's help. Uh, the beach of the island is later stormed by Vengeance, Bane's daughter, and the Knights Templar? Yep. So uh, they happen to be after the girl because, as it turns out, that woman is, much like Azrael, an avenging angel, this one named Sariel, who, while Azrael is outside fighting her would-be captors, she is inside slaughtering her would-be saviors. Um... Wow, super cool. Azrael wants nothing to do with the Order of St. Dumas. Um, the Order of St. Dumas has, if, if my memory serves me correctly, been completely wiped out. I believe um, so, yeah. so, perhaps there's some sort of power vacuum. I can't wait to see how this works out. We do have another super secret church-based organization that Azrael is going to have to contend with. So that's pretty interesting. I haven't been excited about or really even a, a fan of an Azrael-centric story since since Nightfall. And I can't think of a good one since then other than the related Azrael and the Bane arc from Denny O'Neill's run in the Azrael book. Um, that was killer, and this kind of feels like a spiritual successor to that. Uh, thank you, Denny. Um, so I, I really had nothing to look forward to in this title, but I was pleasantly surprised. An order versus order story featuring Azrael, Vengeance, and a new angel who happens to currently have Az- Azrael, Azrael's flaming sword. Um, you know, summing it up in one word is, uh-oh, I, uh, I'm interested for sure, and I hope the rest of this run is at least as good as this first issue. Says Masia and Marissa Louise do an excellent job with the art here too. Though it's a little lacking in a few places, it still looks great. It's still a good read. Art issues don't detract from the story. So, even though it's a setup issue, 
I actually gave this one an 8 out of 10. Right on, yeah. I'm loving the art style. Um, yeah, I can agree. It fits Asriel, Asriel right? The, yeah. He hasn't always been the best character, the most interesting, but this is super interesting um, with a, a very nice twist at the end. I love the, the trippy panels they had of, of Asriel in his mind talking to oh, yes. the inner Asriel. Uh, I guess John Paul mm-hmm. Valley in his mind talking to his inner Asriel um, and taking on what the internet calls a biblically accurate angel body. <laughs> And and if you're familiar, if you're familiar with the Bible, this is straight up what Azrael is described to look like in the Old Testament. Just letting everybody know. Yeah, so it's fantastic work. Uh, I also gave it an eight out of ten. I'm looking forward to see where this goes. As am I. All right. Um, you want to take the next one? Right on. I believe that will be Batman, White Knight, Red Hood, Black Sox, number one. <laughs> yeah. Throw that in there. Um, Excellent. Now this is Batman, White Knight presents the Red Hood. Uh, the highly, uh, what's the freaking word? Wanted? Uh, <laughs> waited for series. Yeah. Uh, that uh, we've been waiting for since I believe it was announced in... Uh, Beyond the White Knight, number two, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> uh, so it's finally here, number one. It was a bit ago. If it's anything like the Harley Quinn spinoff, it will also be eight issues. Uh, so this is co-written from Sean Murphy and Clay McCormack, with art from Simone DeMeo, colors from Simone DeMeo and Dave Stewart with Simone DeMeo on the first four pages, I believe. Letters from Andworld Design and a cover from Sean Murphy and Dave Stewart. Uh, so this very brief, um, kind of just catching up on things. I was having a hard time trying to figure out if it was present day or in the past, but <laughs> I think it's present day. Uh, so Jason Todd of the White Knight universe is shown in his Red Hood origin after helping Bruce Wayne escape from prison. So he meets a young girl named Gan, who dresses up as Robin to help fight crime in her neighborhood, despite the fact that she is uh, relatively unskilled. Um, played some rugby though so she's really good for tackles uh she is found by jason tracking down shriek uh and after he gets arrested she helps him break out and then he decides to train her and turn her into a proper crime fighter and the two become good friends and the rest was ever after uh as we will see hopefully next month in issue two so honestly this is another welcome look into this world that i love it's a great story to go with it i'll I'll take anything with from sean murphy's white knight series it's it's just such a fun world to play in uh Mm -hmm. some of the fun in at least for me most of the fun in elseworld stories is seeing the differences for main continuity and this definitely has a lot of differences but it is quickly becoming very much its own thing, and I am all for that. It's becoming less about the differences and more about just building its own story, which is just great to see. Uh, so I gave this an 8.5 out of 10. The art's fantastic. The story is great. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the new Robin, which seems really weird for me to say, so what? that's why I opened with it. Um, this is one that's different than ever before, really. 
Gan, regardless of if they actually get a new identity other than Robin, has talent, just not the traditional Robin talent. So, new angles for new stories. There's definitely a new uh, relationship dynamic here. Uh, I just, I really enjoy this series, man. Uh, so far, this this latest excursion into the White Knight universe is easily my favorite. And let's be honest, it is indeed, at this point, it's its own universe that continued could continue to grow and expand for God knows how long. Um, and I'd be okay with that as long as it kept being good. Uh, yeah. Murphy, just don't, just don't farm the stories out. You keep your pen, your pen behind it. All right. Um, I dig, I dig this. You should too. Cause it's really good. If not for anything else, but the artwork, especially the stuff in the back, they, they always throw in bonus artwork in the back of these issues. Jesus. There's some, yeah. there's a couple black and white pages, a couple colored pages that are just gorgeous. All of it though. Seriously. So very nice. I gave this one an 8.75 out of 10. Right on. We're Indeed in it was. Same wavelength so far, Josh. I like this. Let's see if we keep it up. So far. Yeah. We'll see how it goes, right? Yeah, speaking of wavelengths. I don't know. It is lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and that will bring us the lightning will bring us to the new champion of Shazam. Number 1. Written by Josie Campbell with our inside and out that is most unmistakingly Doc Shaner with letters from Becca Carey. There are two variant covers for this one as well. One from Gary Frank and Brad Anderson, which is as always, well, I'll, you know what? Gary Frank quality. But the, uh, the Joshua Middleton one, that's the one that was just simply beautiful. All three are really good though, so... And that including the new covers. So that, 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 that's really awesome. All right. So, uh, not that I would assume anyone is unaware, but this is the story of the new champion of Shazam. One Miss Mary Bromfield. Uh, Mary has left and gone off to college, which is where we find her at, at the beginning of this story. She meets her three new roommates, Cassidy, Bianca, and Bianca's pet rabbit, Hoppy. Everything seems to be going right for the short time that she's there, uh, even though she pretends that her name is Marina, not realizing that that is the name of a Russian poet, which scored her even more points with her new roomies. But then she goes to orientation. And while her new friends go to retrieve their name tags, Mary goes to save them seats. And that is when Hoppy starts talking. He's been imbued with the last of Billy's magic to make Mary the new champion of Shazam. To which she is very opposed to. She's outright, out loud, arguing with a rabbit that no one else can hear talking. And then bolts out of the auditorium, holding said rabbit out in her arms in front of her face. When she realizes she must look crazy. And uh, she, uh, she, she runs out like that to avoid people thinking that she's crazy. I don't think that plan was thought out too well. But uh, the, the, the rest of the book is Mary arguing against being the new champion. The rabbit Hoppy insisting that she has to. Uh, her very quickly stopping a bank robbery 
and it is all around a kind of find yourself story, which I think works for Mary. And honestly, it could work for the rest of the, the family as well. When all the hubbub is over and she has experienced her incredible new power levels, of which she'll have to learn how to control, um, and she her, their new power levels because she's not sharing them with anyone like Billy was, uh, she, she still has no interest in it. She gets back to the dorm room, still refusing Hoppy and Billy, and there are cops there. Uh, she thinks that they are there because of her stealing Hoppy, which I understand, but they are not. It turns out that Mr. and Mrs. Vasquez are missing, and for the non-Shazam fam fans, that, that sounded a little funny when I said it, uh, for the non-Shazam family fans, non-Shazam fam fans, um, <laughs> speaking Tagalog, this is Billy, Mary, and uh, Billy, Mary, and Company's adopted parents, the ones that took all of them in. All right, uh, that's the end of the book, this this issue anyway. And these are my thoughts on it. Billy as Shazam is the Shazam. He's been with us since the Captain Marvel inception, through the purchase, through the lawsuits, and then finally landing on the page as Shazam rather than Captain Marvel. Some bad stories and weird decisions eventually led to the Rock of Eternity being held captive in Hell and Billy staying there to protect it, seemingly without powers, against people like Necron and several others. And um, I can't count any of that dumb-ass idea against this book because that belonged to other people that made, let's be honest, some dumb-ass books that that story was featured into. So, Billy is out! All that said, there is literally no one Shazam adjacent that I think deserves this more. And not just because she was Miss Marvel at one point. It's because that's her character. The rest of the family are, for the most part, pretty goofy and childish. Mary has always been the most mature of all of them. And probably, probably honestly, more deserving of the powers of Shazam than Billy. I think that, uh, I think that choosing Mary to do this was an excellent choice, and I'm 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 kind of bummed that like most Shazam titles, this is only going to be a, a mini. Um, yeah. Doc Shaner is a brilliant artist, and he's no different here. Campbell does a great job of putting the story together, and while making it a self-exploratory story, without making it sound like it's going to be a bunch of young people speak by the style of one Brian Michael Bendis say. Um, yeah. This is it's it's done really well, man, and I am I'm looking forward to issue two. I'm a little disappointed that it is issue two out of four. I really like this as an opener, and I gave this one an eight point five out of ten. Yeah, this is uh, it was a lot of fun. Doc Shaner, you're you're freaking amazing. <laughs> amazing art, art is so good. Uh, this is definitely one to check out. It holds so good. Of Shazam. It's so good. Yeah, uh, definitely holds up the mythos of Shazam very well. I believe. Yes, it um, does. I'm with you there, I'm man. Curious to see what what's going to happen with Mary going forward. It, this it's been a fantastic intro. Uh, it just leaves me wanting more. I want to see all of it, and I also wish they would continue and not just have four issues, but. It is what it is, unfortunately. Uh, I gave this an 8.75. It's a fantastic opening chapter. 
Let's keep it up. Hey, okay. All right. Same wavelength, same wavelength. Yeah. And let me just oh, say this perfect. because Jeff Johns, for the longest time, who we will cover in a book later, yeah. was one of my favorite creators. It's no longer the case. This one issue, and it's not just because of this, but this one issue of the new champion of Shazam, I enjoyed more than his entire Shazam run. Yeah, <laughs> I have to admit that, yeah. I, I enjoyed his entire Shazam run, but this, this blows them all out of the water. That was, yeah, that was just, I don't even know what to call that. That, that was Saturday morning cartoon shit. This is a good story. Yeah, but yeah, um, Hoppy. all Hoppy's right, he's a fantastic character. <laughs> yeah. I like Hoppy. I hope Hoppy I sticks like around. Me too. Uh, I, I may, like maybe I think I think Mary's roommate might want her bunny back, but we'll see. <laughs> so uh, with that, we're just gonna take a quick commercial break. Don't go too far away. Now back to our program. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. As Brandon says, hope that wasn't too painful, but I don't think it was. It sounded very comfortable. It would sound like a nice rocket ship. So, <laughs> uh, we are now getting into our in depth reviews. It's going to be a little bit longer this time, so hold tight. They're a lot more fun. Uh, we're going to start off uh, in another universe going into Earth 11, I believe it is, with Multiversity Teen Justice number three. And this was written by Ivan Cohen and Danny Lohr, with art from Luciano Vecchio, colors from Enrica Aaron Angiolini, and letters from Carlos M. Mangual, and a nice cover from Robbie, Robbie Rodriguez. So Raven is having a bit of a power freakout, but Clarion arrives to help control it, and Supergirl and Teen Justice arrive just behind her and help calm Raven down enough to get the scoop on what's going on with Troy and the Church of Blood. Together, they go off to the Fortress of Tranquility, run by Superwoman, in the Bermuda Triangle to figure out the next plan of attack, but instead they end up debating back and forth about what everyone's motivations are. Though through Raven trying to explain his soul self to the group, Robin comes up with a plan but needs Kid Quick to try it out. Meanwhile, on Domus Amoris, the home of the Star Sapphires, Aquagirl is just barely escaping Zamoranian defenses, while trying to find the Justice Guild who has mysteriously disappeared. And after finding a hidden underground chamber, she heads in and finds the body of Hal Ferris of the Green Lantern Patrol. She takes his mm -hmm. ring, hoping she can charge it somehow and use it to get back to Earth. And as she heads deeper into the caves, uh, she comes across a small pool of water and dips in to get some moisture in her body. Except the pool is also full of GL rings, and Hal's ring begins to give a psychic impression of what the Star Sapphires have been doing all along. They systematically join forces with each of the emotional spectrum groups, looking to unite the spectrum, and the only one left was the Green Lanterns. Except they are the toughest to convince. Uh, there were a small group of Lanterns that hated the idea of Union, and that group led by Sinestra took out the rest of the Green Lanterns. Hal joined Sinestra's group to try and stop her plan from the inside, but he eventually failed, and the old guard of the Green Lanterns destroyed the central power battery to keep the power away from Sinestra and her cronies. And just then, 
Awkward Girl gets sucked into a hole that is underneath the rings. On Earth, Teen Justice arrives at the Church of Blood and finds magic barring entry. So Robin's plan is if Raven and Clarion can weaken the barrier enough and Raven gets a link to his soul self, Kid Quick can vibrate their molecules through the wall. And together they get through and start off to find Troy. And as they turn a corner down a hall, and they find Awkward Girl falling out of a wall of Green Lantern rings. So now having regrouped, the whole thing is being watched on camera by Sinestra and her Green Lantern core, that's C-O-R-E, holding Troy hostage. And it's an interesting Green Lantern core. <laughs> it's Sinestra, you had female Kilowog, you had a, a emo rocker Kyle Rayner, and Stell. Oh no! I was but like, is is, is he's got red hair? Is that supposed to be some Kyle of some kind of mix of Kyle and Guy? Like, I can see Kyle for okay. sure in the face, but he's got red hair, and his his the way like the way he's standing just reminds me of Guy Gardner. I could see that, and yeah, actually mention it, maybe that'd be weird. Honestly, I'm it more fixated on the fact that they took Stell and just made him skinny. <laughs> <laughs> right. <That was> nice. <laughs> That's it. It was interesting. Um, I I can't get over surely the brown hair. It's just fucking weird. Uh, But beyond that, uh, the changes I think are wild yet interesting, and I am just very curious what the end result of this is going to be. Is there a point to this, or is it just going to be a story that happened in the multiverse? And if the latter is the case, I think that's a bit of an odd choice. Because uh, we've had Elseworld stories before, but Elseworld stories are usually self-contained books or the oversized format and three issues in the Black Label run. We don't often get, like, here is this thing that we're, we're bannering with multiversity. We're putting multiversity as a banner on it, so it's part of this, and then that's it. Usually when you get something of this caliber going to lead into something else especially if multiversity is involved right so if this does not lead into something bigger uh then what really was the point i I understand it came out during june to tie into pride month and everything that was going on i think it even came out the same week of dc pride 2022 so there is that connection there but i just what what was the whole point? I don't understand. <laughs> and we don't even know how many issues it is. It's, it's billed as a limited series, but I haven't seen uh, a one of whatever, two of question mark. So I don't even know how many issues it is right now. Uh, but I am enjoying the story as it is so far, and I think the art is quite good, despite the fact that Kilowog with brown wig freaks me out and keeps me up at night. Uh, so It freaks everyone out. Yeah, it's friggin weird man i don't like it (laughs) everything else is cool kill the hog with a wig is not (laughs) uh so i gave this a 7.75 out of 10 i'll still stick with it i'm curious to see where they're going with this i like team justice i like the team dynamics i like the character work i'm just curious if this has a point it is from from what I have just gathered from LeagueOfComicGeeks.com, which um, for the most part they are they are right on the nose with things. Uh, Multiversity Team Justice is planned for six issues. Okay. 
would have been nice to put that on the cover like they put everything else <laughs> fair enough that's true yeah. they also did not do that with the poison ivy book that's true yet oddly enough they did it for a new champion of shazam strange strange yeah. choices man i don't know but uh perhaps perhaps the one of six or whatever etc uh, is not showing up on those titles because there's a chance that should the sales do well enough, they'll be extended? Maybe. That's my hope for Hopefully. Poison Ivy. I could, um, as far as multiversity goes, uh, did you give a score? Yeah, 7.75. 7.75, all right. Well, um, this is okay, I guess. Uh, I... I I don't know why, but I, and I, uh, that I honestly don't know why. I just can't seem to get into it. Uh, this is going to seem like a weird analogy or, or not analogy metaphor. Um, but I feel like watching, like, this almost feels like watching a, a, a Teen Titans cartoon show in reverse. Something just feels off and it's not the gender swapness. It's just, Something is missing from this story. And I don't know what it is. I even went back and reread issues one and two to see if it helped. But it didn't. It's 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 not horrifyingly bad. It's it's not bad. It's just kind of there, you know? Um the art is mostly good. It's it's not painful for me to to, to read. Uh and on the last page, uh Rob already mentioned it. Um, the mix of Kyle and Guy thing, that's weird. Uh, Skinny Cell, that's weird. Um, the Green Lantern core being spelled C-O-R-E, <clears throat> unforgivable. Well, I, I took that as, that's just Sinestra. It's like, like the four horsemen. If you think of like, like wrestling groups, that's just like, these four Green Lanterns were the Green Lantern core, were the core of the Green Lantern core. I, that's how I took that as. It's not that the Green Lantern Corps in general is just spelled that way. I don't know, man. I hope you're right, because the way that that was written, that, that that's not the impression it made on me. Yeah. But um, it is okay. I mean, it it's, it's just a comic book. Unfortunately, I think, I honestly think that this is one of those titles that will be heading straight for the dollar bin. The idea is fantastic. But I just can't get into the execution, and I can't put my finger on what it is that won't let me do it. It's 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 got great art. The story isn't bad, but it's just existing for me. Um, with the extra car, with the extra art and the ambition that this book has got, though, I did give it a seven out of ten. So I think that might be our our. Uh, our largest gap in our scores so far, 0.75. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's, I, let's see if, <laughs> let's see if that trend continues, shall we? Yeah. I think a, a one point margin for error is allowed. I think we can give ourselves at least that gap to, to call it something <laughs> else. The seven is still there. So, <laughs> so we'll there go we from go. one June released book in number three this month to another because that's the biggest connection I can make right now. <laughs> it's Poison yeah. Ivy number three, and I'm going to let Josh talk all about that. Between the two. Let's see. Could I come up with a different one? Um, nope, I can't. 
All right, Poison Ivy number three, written by the G Willow. Uh, wow, I uh, I was going to put extra syllables in there. Written by G Willow Wilson with art from Marcio Takara, colors by Arif Prianto, letters from Hassan Atmane Alhau, and a cover from Jessica Fong, which is so pretty. It might just be my favorite cover this year so far, and. Um, I don't usually acknowledge these very often, but the variant covers for Poison Ivy number three, we've got Art Germ, Seb McKinnon, Joshua Middleton, Justine Franny, Joel Jones. Every single one of them is artwork. You've got if if you can't go out and get the variants, and I understand those suckers are hard to find and expensive, but if you can't go out and find them, look them up online. My favorites are the original art germs and middletons but again they are all works of art go check them out man so good anyway on to the story so we begin with ivy being in a lucid dream floating in water surrounded by plants and talking to harley the only thing that she truly cares about beyond plants she wakes up ready to continue her crusade but she gets caught in some small talk with a staff person from the hotel Maybe the owner? Who knows? I'm going to call her the owner. Anyway, the owner is rescuing a small patch of lawn that has been littered with auto parts and all kinds of stuff. Ivy can't resist and even stays up all night planting the newly acquired native grass and flowers that she talked the owner into buying. She is... She is... Excuse me. She is woken up in the morning by the owner who Ivy freaks out on because she almost touched her. And of course that would kill her, the owner. Um, and Ivy by instinct does not want to hurt her. She's a little conflicting with her, with her mission as of now. Uh, she tries to push that feeling off that night. A plant monster attacked her. Maybe Ivy is starting to wonder if she's experiencing hallucinations both the plant monster and the symbol that she saw on the restaurant wall before, the uh, fungus that she infected herself with that she is spreading across the world to kill the entire population, uh, is, is, it, it is affecting her. She can feel it, and there's a good chance that those hallucina- hallucinations are caused by the fungus. Um, I mean, mushrooms have been known to be psychedelic in the past. Indeed. And... Today. After that, she drives all night to get to Idaho, of all places. When we then see her writing a letter to someone, though unnamed, probably Harley, but we don't know. The letters are to serve to record the last days of the human race as observed by Ivy before she herself succumbs to the poison. After she finishes writing, she steps into an unknown building looking for a job interview. She is directed to one Mr. George Halloran, employee and efficiency expert. As she walks out, another woman, as she walks up, another woman walks out and tells Ivy that that man is a monster. Don't go in there. We flash back to Montana, the owner of the hotel, waking up the next morning, going out to enjoy her newly created little plot of land, little patch of lawn. And what she finds, though, is a fully developed, looks like it's been there for 30 to 60 years, oak tree 
native flowers just growing in abundance. Ivy definitely put her special touch on this little patch of Eden that that motel owner was looking for. Next up, Horrible Bosses. That is the name of the next chapter of Poison Ivy's journey. Though though I experienced less emotion in this issue, it is still just as good. We're at the halfway point of a planned six-issue run, and that is exactly what this issue felt like. So far, Wilson has the pacing down perfect. Um, the The idea of a, the story is is perfect. Um, with just there's just enough advancement to move the story along nicely, introducing tiny little additions to the larger story as we move along. There's mystery, and there's again there's the serious emotional attachment because I don't know why I'm getting sucked into this so hard, but fuck man. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> good. It's just. I mean, maybe maybe that's what it is. Uh, but uh, past the writing man, this is definitely Takara's signature style of work, and if you like that, you will love this issue. The colors are done really well. Done really well as well. This is simply put, just a great book and a great run so far. Uh, I would be committing a crime if I scored Poison Ivy number three any less than a nine. Well, then, yeah, this this definitely continues to be a sleeper hit of the summer, as I will put it. The art's fantastic. The story is passionate and interesting. I don't want Ivy to die. <laughs> I don't I, want Ivy to die either. Fan. Uh, Shut up, not... you're crying. I'm not crying. <laughs> I, I, as, as much as the next DC fan, I'm a Harl Ivy shipper. Is that is that what they called her? Harlivy, yeah. Harlivy, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't believe it took ten years to come up with that shit. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, so I I'm all for having Harlivy together, but this this is worth it for a little break in the the spokes, if you will. Um, yeah. I think we can we can. I, I don't want her to die. She's died enough in the past five years. So I don't see it happening again. I think there's going to be something happening. You see Ivy starting to regain a sense of humanity. And there's definitely some stuff going on with um, well, Floronic Man. I, I keep forgetting his, his civilian name. Jason Woodrow. Jason Woodrow, that's it. Um, there's definitely some freaky stuff going on there. So there's a lot of mystery in this book. There's a lot of questions that need answering. And there's a lot of excitement going on and a lot of emotion. It's got everything you could possibly want in a book and a sense of dread and horror. Uh, Who doesn't want that in a summer hit? Uh, So I I give this an 8.75, not quite a 9, because there's just so many questions I want answered. But it is, as Josh said, halfway point, number three of a six-issue arc. Uh, So as Brandon always says, or used to say, he hasn't in a while, uh, it'll be a 9 on a good day, but for now 8.75, because it's kind of raining outside. (laughs) Oh, is it? It's humid yeah. as hell here. Yeah. Oh, really super humid. <laughs> super hella bright, hot, and humid. That's it. It's like temperature's 95, humidity's 95. Yeah. Step outside, standing up on your porch, and you're actually swimming if you walk. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, that is it for Poison Ivy. I hope that I do not have to say that at the end of issue number six. Yeah, hopefully not. That that would be a shame. Uh, but yes, that is it for Poison Ivy. So we're going to go back to her old stomping grounds in Gotham City and check in with dear old Daddy Bats. Daddy Bats! 126, written by the Uncle Guggy. <laughs> Uncle Guggy. <laughs> Uncle Guggy, uh, so Daddy Bats. <laughs> Oh, don't put them in a room together, please. We'll we'll just have <laughs> stories. Jesus so, Christ, so much. <laughs> yeah. So this is written by the enigmatic Chips Darsky, with art by the ever glorious Jorge Jimenez. Colors from the possibly color no, not possibly. The forever colorful Tomomori. <laughs> and yeah, there you go. from Clayton Cowles. Just kidding, Clayton Cowles. Y'all are good too. You're you're great. You do a good job on this book, and don't Clayton Cowles, in my personal opinion, should be the only person ever allowed to letter a Batman book, and Definitely. that's not just because he has the perfect last name for it. Seriously, yeah, <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. But yeah, honestly, no, I agree. Uh, his lettering is fantastic. Okay, Dusty so uh, I'll be doing this live. So bear with me. I did a run through, so it should be good. <laughs> okay, so you have Batman uh, kind of pondering his next moves after Tim was, I believe, shot last issue. Um, yes. Kind of pondering on his, as he calls them, his soldiers, but his, his children, his cohorts, his, his wards. Uh, and he comes across Tim up on one of the uh, scaffolds of a building. Uh, and he's asking, what are you doing? You're, you're not ready. You shouldn't be out here. It's too soon. You were sloppy at the gala. Go home. And Tim just goes, are you serious? No, fuck you. I was saving people. I should be out here as much as anybody else. You're not in charge of me. I, I don't even wear a bat. So fuck you, You can't Bruce. tell me what to do, dad. <laughs> and he glides off. And Bruce scowls, as he always does. But he then retreats to the cave, as bats do. Um, pondering his next move and, and pondering on all the things that's gone in, on in his life recently and even uh, Penguin's uh, sudden death out of nowhere but before he can get too far into that he is interrupted by the failsafe robots who attacks him with a force unbeknownst to be reckoned with uh, that was a weird sentence I kind of just threw it out there uh, Bruce tries to retaliate <laughs> but it is deemed uh, unfruitful uh, as failsafe just tends to throw him around keep in mind i do not know if the robot's name is failsafe i'm calling him that calling it that uh just for semantics uh so well zadarsky calls him failsafe so okay fair enough i think that's a i think that's a fair fair enough assessment there yeah uh so failsafe's getting the upper hand on bruce and any chance uh bruce tries to take failsafe knocks him down uh, damn near beats him to a bloody pulp but then he calls for the car to exit and he grapples to the back of it and ends up beating the shit out of himself by getting dragged by the car onto the streets of gotham city where he rolls off into supposed safety even though it's oncoming traffic quickly puts his cowl on and uh, oracle gets in touch as failsafe is coming out and oracle's gonna run comms with the satellite 
and Bruce gives chase, uh, throwing some batarangs, but failsafe is on the money there, sending out a few tiny missiles to counteract the batarangs, and then uh, decks him right in the stomach, probably cracking 11 of his 12 ribs, uh, sending him flying into a lamppost and onto the ground, where he's like, Oracle, it's bad. And he tries to fly away, but then uh, failsafe catches him, slams him into the ground with a force um, pretty fucking akin to Ganondorf in Super Smash Bros. Um, cracks yeah. the fucking ground, punches him in the mouth, says fuck you, gives him the DX salute, and then <laughs> yeah, Bruce is like, who are you? And uh, Failsafe goes, I'm Justice, Failsafe. And then uh, Signal, Duke Thomas comes out and drop kicks him in the head. The Batgirls come out and try to get the upper hand, but Failsafe makes quick work of the three of them. And then goes right back to Batman. But then Duke gets back up, kicks Failsafe in the head. And then Bruce turns around after hearing somebody say, I've got you. And Tim is there with the Batmobile. uh, Picks Bruce up. As Failsafe hits Duke in the head one more time, seemingly knocking him out. Uh, So Tim and Bruce head off as Bruce is saying, Failsafe, I know him. He's so familiar. Uh, but Tim just thinks he has a concussion, so they drive off in the Batmobile to get him to uh, the cave uh, where Leslie Tompkins is waiting to perform surgery, but Failsafe is giving chase. And as they turn a corner and Failsafe is giving chase, or gaining on them, Nightwing is coming in the opposite direction, and in the coolest fucking Dick Grayson moments in the past ten years, uh, as he's colliding with the Batmobile, puts his motorcycle on the hood of the Batmobile and sends it flying over, jumps off the motorcycle explodes into failsafe and nightwing lands pulls out a baton and him signal the back girls surround it waiting to fight and it was so fucking cool <laughs> man you know oh, what so where cool. is cyborg you know because that because that shit needed a booyah right? <laughs> that would have been so cool yeah that it was it was such a sick moment dick grayson you're awesome uh, so they got failsafe surrounded, but then he flies up in the sky and they, they lose him. And they're like, Oracle, can you get a read on him? But then he crash lands in the middle of all four of them, sending them flying out in a shockwave and ends up underground. And as Nightwing gets up to check on everyone's safety, failsafe explodes out of the ground, uppercutting him with a Shoryuken, uh, takes out the Batgirls and Signal, rips off his helmet, hits him in the head one more time. Please, Duke, just stay down. You have enough brain damage. Um, Nightwing gets up and tries to to hit Failsafe in the head with his batons but then takes a haymaker to the face falls down and Failsafe then scans Signal's helmet uh, with saying that he now knows all the new caves and he now has access to them Uh, so he heads, I keep saying he, I don't know why (laughs) Failsafe heads directly to the cave where Leslie Tompkins is looking for Bruce, finds that he is not there Leslie is scared shitless, thinking that uh, uh, Failsafe has done something with him, but uh, just wants to know where Bruce is. And as we then go to the original Batcave underneath Wayne Manor, uh, Tim and Bruce are there at Bruce's request. Tim is saying, we need to get you help, we need to get to Leslie, and he's like, no, I know where I need to be, I need to be in the old cave, and I know what I have to do, and I need to do it alone. So he heads off into a deeper part of the cave, much darker. Tim reluctantly agrees, and as Bruce slowly strips away parts of his costume, he ends up at a chest in the back of a dark cavern. 
uh, knowing that he's he's been surrounded he's surrounded himself with children he's become softened and failsafe is familiar uh, but it's it's an aberration and it's there's something in his mind that is not just coming to the forefront and he can't quite put his place on it but he knows what he has to do and he knows he's done this to himself so as or as Tim is trying to get a hold of Oracle Bruce comes out and as he says, and it's me, it's the Batman. Observe and R. Purple, red, yellow costume. Some Holy folks, shit. If you were listening a couple of weeks ago when Rom V's Detective Comics first came out, we made, between the three of us, a lot of connections to Batman R.I.P. <laughs> we Indeed found we so did. many connections, as I'm sure so many people did. And that classic Grant Morrison, Tony Daniel story um, is definitely getting some love because Batman of Zoranar, while not being created there, was perfected there. Um, Indeed. And is definitely back in the forefront now, which begs the question... Are Chip Sturski and Rom V in cahoots on trying to just bring that story back somehow? Are there clues there? Is there hints in the book? Do we all need to bust out our hardcover of, of Batman R.A.P. And, and pick at it with a fine-tooth comb and a magnifying glass and try and figure out every little detail that they might be coming up with? Or Bruh, there- I know V and Zdarsky want us to do nothing more than that. All I'm hoping is for a cohesive, and with the two of them, I believe that we actually have the best shot at getting it without publisher influence. Um, yeah. A cohesive set of books that are Batman specific. Batman and Detective seemingly having shared story elements or at least having things that kind of back go back and forth, like references to Batman R.I.P., in Detective, and then Zuran R showing up here in Batman. I want that shit to continue for as long as they're on the books. <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. I nearly we, shit we my pants on that last page. You know, Brandon read it first, um, and he he messaged me and he said, "You're gonna shit your pants when you get to the last page." <laughs> it was just as I started the issue, I'm like, "Okay, I'm fucking stoked now." Not in my wildest dreams would I have imagined that happening. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> when he got to the chest, I had like not. two pages left. I'm like, he's going to this chest. Is that, oh my god, is that the chest? I'm thinking fail safe. There's a chest there. Is that, is this all Batman's Justice League fail safe? Or if he ever goes rogue, this is what happens? What's in the chest? Are we finally going to find out? And then, no, it's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> right? So much it's cooler. crazy. Oh my god, uh, yeah. yeah. Talk this, about a crazy is... part of Batman lore a lot of people are not that super familiar with. Yeah. Oh, awesome. It, this Zuranar, if I, I don't, I couldn't tell you the exact issue or year, but it does go back to like so I know. Batman. Yeah. It came out, his first appearance was in 1958 in Batman 113. However, yeah, that was not the Zuranar that we know now. No. Uh, Zuranar there was the uh, Superman of Planet X. Uh, he was a Batman, but he was the Superman of Planet X. Zuranar, uh was an alien, obviously, on the planet Talano or something along those lines. Lano, Tano, I don't know. It sounded like a very expensive water. But in any case, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, um, Zernar goes, gets Batman. He brings Batman back to his world. Batman gets Superman like powers, but Zernar had a very similar, very similar purple, red and yellow costume to what we see there. Um, and then again, as, as, as Rob mentioned here, uh, Grant Ma- Morrison took over the Batman series in 2006. Uh, they began referencing classic moments from his career, Batman's career. Oh, they included all kinds of shit, a- including Batmite. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they, uh, they had Zura and R. I don't, I don't know how many people are, are familiar with this or, or, or realize this, but Zura and R was littered everywhere in that artwork. All over the damn place. It was non. You found it uh, uh, written on dumpsters. You'd find it seen on walls and tiny little corners of the art. Zernar. It's like what the shit. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's Batman art IP where it reveals that Zernar is a a backup a backup personality. Uh, that Bruce created in case he was ever mentally compromised. That's the only thing that really describes the current Zernar interpretation. Um, Unless we're going to see, because I mean, let's be honest, that was what, 15 15 or so years ago. Um, Yeah, yeah, about that. We could be seeing a new interpretation of this. However, given that Zdarsky is such a fanboy of comics himself, I don't see him taking this and twisting it too much. I think that's exactly what we're going to get is a backup personality for Batman, one that Failsafe would not be able to know, one that Failsafe would not be able to guess the next move of. Yeah. That, that, that's, my, that's my impression. Is that at the end of the day, what makes it so cool is leave it to Batman to like, you know, in any situation, if I if I have no way out, if I have no contingency plan for a situation, I just have a backup personality that will have a contingency that I can just retreat into my own mind and somebody else can come out and they can fix it. That's how fucking good Batman is. <laughs> it's just wild, but such a good concept. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, this this is bloody great. And between this and tech, we're eating good today. We're eating fucking good for Batman books right now. <laughs> so, there's a yes, lot. Yes, we are. But for the core titles, we're eating fucking good. Action comics, fucking good. <laughs> oh my god. Right. The classic titles that we've had for decades are at an all-time high. I gotta say, it's been pretty fucking good. Batman and Superman for sure have been knocking it out. Yeah. Uh, for this, I gave a nine out of ten. Just, just fucking fantastic. I also want to give it a nine point five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I got a question for you though. Okay. So Bruce goes there and goes to the chest, and he says, "A failsafe for a failsafe," and then you know puts the costume on, comes back out, and he's. Zeranar. So who is the failsafe for a failsafe? Is Zeranar the failsafe for the failsafe? Or is failsafe the failsafe for Batman? I'm so confused. 
But I have a feeling that <laughs> it'll get cleared up. Also, um, he says that only one person could have done this to him. But was it a villain or was it him? Was was it Bruce himself? Did Bruce invent a failsafe to act out against him that he erased from his memory, which is why it feels familiar, which is, like the book says, strange for someone who remembers everything. Uh, yes. Oh, 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 okay. So maybe um, your your little history lesson on, on Zerenar... Um, Maybe we need to be looking at that. Maybe less at Batman R.I.P. and maybe looking at that a little more. To the to the original Zern R. Yeah, because you you have a good point that with the the split personality you have, Bruce. The last thing he says is, "I've done this to myself," and then Zern R comes out and says, "Only one man could have done this to me." But who is Zerenar talking about? He's talking about Bruce? But then you say a failsafe or a failsafe. What's the failsafe there? Maybe this was all Bruce's fault? Or maybe uh, that classic origin might have some some things to do again. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) We shall see. We shall see. To me, right now, I think the most... The most believable scenario, just coming off of this, is that Batman created a failsafe to to fight against himself. Uh, should he ever fall out of line, who knows why that failsafe was activated? But I have a feeling that that's exactly what it was. They cre- he created this robot that knew everything about him and would be able to take him down in a heartbeat. Uh, and the reason why he doesn't remember it is because he erased that part of his memory. So he wouldn't know how to beat the robot. Right. So that's the only thing that I can, I can think of, but I guess we will, we will, we will have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, Batman, he's got a contingency for everything, including another personality. (laughs) Indeed. Man, two issues in, and I am super stoked. Jorge Jimenez on the art. This is bound to be my favorite art every month. I have super high expectations for this. I should know better at DC, but I really, really do. And as long as Tim doesn't slip and call Bruce Matt, everything's going to be gravy. (laughs) (laughs) Comic fans know. Um, (laughs) uh, I gave this one a 9 out of 10, man. Right on, and sticking with really fucking weird Batman, I suppose we can move on to the next title, eh? Unless you want to talk about the backup. The backup? Oh there shit, did I completely yeah. forget about the backup? Oh, I completely oh. forgot about the backup. Yes, please talk to me about the All backup. Right. I completely so... <laughs> forgot to read the damn backup. Oh, that's... Damn it. Well, there is, there is a nice twist at the end, if you want me to just He's... save it for you, but we can still review it. Um, I think our fans need that. They deserve it. Exactly. Uh, So this is the Catwoman backup, also part two, uh, written by Chips Darsky, with art from Belen Ortega, colors from Luis Guerrero, and letters from Clayton Cowles. Uh, So this is two birds, one throne, uh, in the aftermath of Oswald Cobblepot's death. 
uh, Selena was tasked by the the executor, that's his name, a, a robot of the criminal underworld that carries out the wills of the deceased uh, criminals, uh, to find Oswald's next of kin, of which he had many, uh, so they could be given portions of his fortune. Uh, but as Catwoman finds each one, he fi she finds that they have each been killed. Uh, she gets the last one, excuse me, um, Ethan Cobblepot, who was, as she described, the only kid recognized by Oswald. And you can see Batgirl, Son of Penguin, for more on that. Uh, but as she enters Ethan's apartment, uh, she finds he is being strangled by a big mystery assailant as there's bodies all over the apartment and uh, everything just fucked up. Uh, so she gets in the way, kicks him in the back, whips him around the neck, but he puts her against the wall. They have a fight. Um, she kind of gets the upper hand and Ethan uh, calls for help, but he, the, the mass assailant knocks him out, hits his head against a, a cabinet. Uh, his head's bleeding. He's knocked unconscious uh, I believe he, yeah, he is not dead, as the executor says. He He's still alive, but he's in a vegetative state, which negates him from being considered for the will. So Selina is the only one left to look at it. Uh, she requests a, about the information of the mothers of the children that are dead, and any payment she was going to receive, she will give to them. Uh, the will must be read, and Miss Kyle, uh, Selena, is going to be the witness, as is read. But as for the future of the fortune, it is unknown where that will go until Addison and Aiden Cobblepot, a brother and sister duo, uh, claim to be the children of Oswald, uh, are there for the reading of the will, uh, claiming inheritance money. Uh, and through a quick look at... Uh, DNA records finds that they are, in fact, as children, as good enough for the executor, so as per the will, they are now the proud new owners of the Iceberg Lounge and all of Oswald Cobblepot's various property holdings, and as for his gracious money fortune, it will be donated uh, uh, all $10.8 million of his fortune to the Flights of Fancy Bird Sanctuary in Metropolis, and that's it. Uh, to which Addison says, what the fuck? We just got the lounge? Uh, but then, so she's pissed off. <laughs> and she wants to dismantle the robot. And, like, threats are being thrown left and right. Um, she's not very happy. No, I, I don't blame her. Uh, Selena steps in the way, says, hey, you got more than enough. Let's just calm down. And then uh, the, the brother, Aiden, steps in uh, and kind of pushes selena off and says don't touch my sister okay no problem here didn't want to get in the way of anything uh but she notices aiden's cufflink in the shape of a wing which is exactly the same cufflink that the masked assailant had uh that was killing all of oswald's children so as they take off uh they give a, a little wink to selena says we'll be in touch uh, but selena knows the truth so, now that that's out of the way, the executor says, the fee is now in your account, Miss Kyle, so now uh, I will reach out to all the mothers and see if they're willing to be contacted by you. But as Selena says, thank you for that, but I'll also need another address. And next issue, you will see The Hunt. 
So there was that. That happened. Um, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm enjoying this backup. Uh, Me too, man. It doesn't doesn't change the score whatsoever. No, no. It definitely doesn't bring it down. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't raise it either. But it definitely doesn't bring (laughs) it down. So It's a, yeah, it's a, it's it's funny. I've I've been saying the penguin needs to die for a long time. Uh, it's funny that this is the first penguin story that I've loved in a long time. I, I do. I I love this so far, and it is because he died. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, don't mean to sound cold hearted, but I mean he was oh. seriously like the most expendable mainstream Batman villain that there is. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And, um, again, uh, we were talking about mainstream, but this one is definitely in a different stream. Time stream, you could say. <laughs> and also features uh, Oswald Cobblepot. Oh, and that's true. Yes, in yeah. a totally different role. Um, giving a shit about kids. Oh, wow, look at all these connections, DC. All right. <laughs> um, the only world right. where the Penguin gives a shit about his kids. Right? <laughs> when they belong to Harvey Dent. Yeah. Written by Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams. Art from Zermanico. Colors by Romulo Fayardo Jr. With art on pages 21 and 22 from Mikkel Yanin. And colors from Jordi Belair. Rob Lee brought the letters and it is wrapped in a pretty-ass cover from Mitch Garretts. I'm sorry, Mitch. I will never know how to say your last name correctly. But I'm always going to call you Garrett's. This one starts out with Dr. Batman performing an autopsy on Eobard Thawne and removing all of the clock pieces that were placed inside of his body. This is his obsession. He even says as much. He cares about nothing but catching the clockwork killer. Meanwhile, Oswald loses Dexter, the aforementioned Two-Faces kid, while Dexter sneaks and grabs some equipment to dress up as Dr. Batman's Robin, kind of. Um, help me, do you, do you have any idea why his Robin's shirt would have a GR on it? I was Is there something I forgot? I I, it's, it's Gotham something? I don't know why. There's a, if that's the case, what's the R for? I, I'm not sure. Is it Grobin? Is he a gremlin? Maybe Who knows? If it's Grobin, <laughs> we're, we're grabbing its straws. I don't know. Yeah, right. Um, grobble, grobble. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Besides that, we'll move on. Anyway, Dr. Batman has finally removed all of the pieces of the clock and reassembled them. Oh, I forgot to... Yeah, so Dexter sneaks out, grabs some of the equipment to dress up as Robin, and then leaves. Then we go back to Dr. Batman. He's gotten, he's retrieved all of the pieces of the clock, and he has reassembled them, rebuilding an entire clock. There's one problem, and Oswald points it out. There's one gear left over. It takes him a few minutes of thinking, but then he realizes he did not leave out a part building that clock. He knows where that extra clock gear came from. He knows the clock personally. It was a wedding gift, and it hasn't worked in forever. 
And for those of you that are curious, it would be the grandfather clock that we infamously know if you adjust the hour hand. It allows access to the Batcave. It is that grandfather clock that was smashed. So he knows who the killer is. I think Dexter does too. He went to go see his mom, Two-Face, at Arkham Asylum, sneaking in and clobbering the security guards even though he's got no real fight training whatsoever. He has been taught explosives though. He finds his mom. He's not phased by her face at all. They hug and she starts talking to him. And it gets confusing for like a minute there because two other people are showing up in the captions too. Or at least it seems that way anyway. There's there's his mom, Mrs. Den. I can't remember what her first name is supposed to be. Her two-faced side. And then another voice that comes from somewhere else. A wall slides open after you hear it go, or after you see it go, and the wall slides open, which seems really odd for Arkham Asylum to have that kind of shit in there. But in any case, it's there. Uh, and that is when out steps one Martha Joker, owner of said voice. Oh boy. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, on our Earth, blue shift power seems to be exploding within the Batcave that should not be. And what's his face that I can never remember? The mini Davy Crockett. Uh, he yeah. tells, do you remember his name? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Yeah, me either. I'll never remember his name. Uh, Anyway, Mini Davy Crockett tells Bruce that this time he doesn't know everything about everything. That's because he's not bad guy. Um, okay. So from issue one, there's been nothing of importance revealed that you couldn't see coming from a mile away. And when there was a surprise, or at least something that felt like it was supposed to be, it feels super lackluster and boring like revealing that Martha Joker is alive who gives a shit for a book that is supposed to be affecting it's it's we're we're at 3 it's got 6 right and it's supposed to be working toward a story that affects the DC universe at large everywhere especially the JSA and i have yet to see how this is affecting anybody other than Harvey Dent's kid. Yeah. I don't see it affecting anybody other than that three issues in. And that kind of... You got two issues left. Maybe is it just a five-issue run? I wrote down there's only two issues left. And I truly I can't tell why this was ever even needed. I can't tell why this was ever even wanted. This it 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 feels like it, it simply it feels simply like a vanity project for Johns, um, maybe in an effort to to redeem himself after his last few DC contributions, which all have been horrible. Uh, who knows? But this story is unnecessary and boring. It has some damn good art, and no offense to Zermanico because he is. Definitely one of my favorites. But those last two pages by Mikhail Yanin are just stunning. And Bel Air kicks ass with the colors on it. 
with this issue, man, I just with this whole damn title, I just can't figure out what the appeal is. What is the point? What is, what what is this book supposed to be? That it's it's messed up for a team of prolific writers. Je- Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and Jeremy Adams. None of these guys are rookies. But it's a team of good writers. And they've got no clue what they're doing. Or even worse, they know what they're doing. And they are producing this snooze fest. Um, the, the art team, of course, that saves the score. And that score, with the art team in consideration... I give a 6.5. Yeah, so we're kind of on the same wavelength where our notes are, are we, in are, cahoots. Um, are are we more than a are we more than a point away from each other? We are not more than a point. Okay, great. Yeah, so we're almost there. <laughs> uh so yeah, I I I'll admit I didn't see the Joker being alive again because, as you said, who cares? She had her throat slashed. She bled out. She died in Thomas's arms. I, I don't yep. care what fucking comic book this is. How the hell do you come back from that? Then again, this whole world supposedly died twice now. So who fucking knows? And the next question I had, the only other point I wrote down is, what's this about again? Because it's really exactly. very confusing. It's, it's very convoluted. Um, as a self-contained story, fine. But when you're beefing it up to the point that you are, I'm expecting more. And, and when I you're, realize when, why, uh, why when you're why, claiming that it's going to affect the DC universe at large, especially the JSA, which those words come right from John's himself. Yeah, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, you're fine. Like, after three Jokers, I'm always a little weary about Johns now. Um, I'll give Three the Jokers, the Shazam, right Doomsday Clock. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll give the benefit of the doubt right now, because there is there is still that, that stuff with Batman and the, the mini Time Master going on. There's stuff going on there that very much is tying into Doomsday Clock and uh dodger manhattan there's definitely some shit going on there so if this is a pseudo sequel to flashpoint and doomsday clock then yeah i could see the jsa being involved because they were kind of involved in doomsday clock Uh, but there is two issues left here right there is two issues left and that's because we got the number wrong it's number four right now we're on number four oh well shit (laughs) so that makes it (laughs) worse because you were you were reading it as we were three issues in we're halfway and all this shit hasn't been explained in fact, we're four issues in. <laughs> Past halfway, and yeah, and, and you have to you have to happen. figure out how. I mean, it doesn't help that we only get two to three yeah. issues of the Batman, like Bruce Wayne story. Um, each the issue, button, so the clockwork, go on there. The Doomsday Clock, all of it. It could have been good. It took you 780 decades to come up with an idea and another 30 to release it. You should have just left it alone. Yeah. You should have just... you sh- That that whole Bat God thing where he says that there's three Jokers, that should have just been one of them things that were better left alone if you were going to give us what you gave us. Even worse yeah. than that. 
is Doomsday Clock, which not only took forever for every issue to get to us, but ultimately led to fuck all. Yeah. How do but you it was get more greenlit? Than three jokers. <laughs> I'll give it that. How do you get greenlit? To, to write a, a story title that is supposed to change everything in the company just to have the entire plan for the company totally changed and your book is allowed to continue to go on yeah. and ends with a baby Dr. Manhattan talking about the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Which I'm still what kind of stupid shit was that? I would, I would not hold out hope. Secret crisis. It's coming. <laughs> Secret crisis. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's only if DC does so bad that Warner, Warner, that they get sold to, DC, to Disney. Yeah. Which, and then we'll uh, see we'll that see. shit. Yeah. But other than that, we'll never see it again. The age of Amalgam Comics is well and gone. Which is very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. I, I'm one of the few that enjoyed Amalgam Comics when they were around, but again, I, I didn't oh. enjoy all of them, mind you, but I enjoyed some. <laughs> one of the few. I own every single issue and both compendiums. Shit. <laughs> you got me beat. I just own one I and a couple of issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved Amalgam so much. It was just... Yeah. The, the, some had great stories, and then some had stories that were so silly and or bad that they were fun to read. Yeah. I just love that for Dark Claw, they had Dark Claw Adventures and Legends of the Dark Claw. They had your series and you had your cartoony. Yep. And they were both Which, good. <laughs> they were both good. Yeah. Yeah. But that's enough about that. I just like, fucking... Is it though? Is it <laughs> Doom's Doomsday Clock <laughs> the benefit of the doubt because at least compared to three jokers, the quality did not decline rapidly across the issues. I, I think it kind of just stayed the same. It wasn't amazing, but it wasn't necessarily horrible. And you're right, it didn't necessarily lead into anything big. It was supposed to be company changing. The most it did was bring back the JSA and the Legion of Superheroes, which were uh, knowingly missing throughout the entirety of New 52 and Rebirth. Uh, but that then led us to uh, Bendis and Riley Rosmo's uh, Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, let, let me. It, it, regardless <laughs> of the crazy team behind it, be, regardless of the talent, the talentless team that they gave Legion of Superheroes to, um, I'm going to catch so much hell for saying this, but Legion of Superheroes were was really cool back in the Dot Matrix printing days. Legion of Superheroes has not been great since like the early 80s, mid 80s. Um, every single story for the Legion of Superheroes has sucked since then. Every single one. You can't point out a, a story arc that is good because I will pick it apart just like I did to all you crime syndicate fans. And <laughs> one, didn't I? I did. You conceded. Yeah. In any case... Um, I'm talking to our listeners, not you, Rob. <laughs> that was that. That's an old argument that happened on Twitter, but uh, I won it. And Legion of Superheroes sucks too. I am a huge JSA fan. I'm glad the JSA came back, but there just really is no place for the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. So I feel like that's one of those 
those titles that should have been better left alone and loved rather than dragged out and potentially ruined. And that's that's exactly what happened. They ruined the Legion of Superheroes. Everybody but Dexter Soy, who did the character redesigns. Or no, excuse me, that was not Dexter Soy. That was Ryan Sook. Ryan Sook did the character redesigns, and those were gorgeous. Yeah, they're, they're better off, I think, not in their own book, but as supporting cast. There's definitely some some interesting characters I think you could do some good work with, but as they debuted, I, I think they debuted in action comics back in, in the, the Silver Age or maybe the Golden Age, that that's where they thrive as supporting characters, not necessarily lead. Especially when you have so many. Ensemble cast that big, it's hard to really give everyone a voice and be interesting. Yeah, nope, can't do it, man. You just can't do it. You need a team of five or less period yeah and and five or less you cannot have all five people together i'll I'll bring up brandon and i were always going on about the lightning saga uh from justice league which features some legion characters and funny you mentioned i think there was only five legion characters in that story (laughs) so there you go there you go good and they they did well as as characters in that story i think but I don't know. Point is, okay. Jeff Johns didn't even give us JSA after fucking Doomsday Clock, but that's nope. He, he went on and wrote an he, he went on and wrote a shitty Shazam story that also took us forever to get. Yeah. Anyway, which I still didn't dislike. I enjoyed that one, but I, might I didn't dislike it either. It was just like Saturday morning cartoon shit. Hey, is yeah. are you my dad? I don't know. No, I'm not your dad. I've got magic powers. Fuck yeah, I'm your dad. Mind if I climb inside your ear and fight an alien? (laughs) That's that's the book. That's the cartoon. That's the whole. (laughs) That's the whole series. (laughs) Oh shit! Oh, and Uh, that's it's it's revealed that the wizard Shazam is a total douchebag, but we kind of already knew that. He always was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Flashpoint Beyond, though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to go with it anymore. I'm hoping something actually happens, but it's probably going to end with, uh, you know, something happens and then it just never gets picked up again because that seems to be Jeff John's MO in the past 10 years. Right. We'll see. We shall see. Um, I'm hoping at least there's something cool. I'm hoping it does. it's going to be definitely... something super fucking dumb. Like our man has been working with Joker. I don't know. I, I hope not. I'm, I'm uh, really hopeful. So there's there's this whole thing about why this is this world back and it was supposed to be gone and what the fuck is Bruce even doing? None of it makes any sense. There's still so many questions that to be answered. And like we'll see. when we'll you see killed Doctor Batman. Why didn't you let him stay dead? Yeah. And then after you killed him again, why didn't you let him stay dead? There's a billion gajillion. Again. <laughs> exactly. There were three times. Third time. There's a bajillion dead. multiverse characters out there, but you have to go to a Batman one. 
that's already been killed off with no explanation as to why he's still here other than y'all are so scared of not doing something Batman related. That's sad. At this point, it might it's either Dr. Batman or Batman who laughs, so you decide. I'll take Dr. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Nope. If if Batman Who Laughs ever comes back for a story arc, I will be tweeting live, I will be streaming live, complaining about it until DC sues me for harassment. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you'll be the only one. Batman Who Laughs tends to be universally hated these days. Oh, so bad. So bad. So dumb. So dumb. All right, so beyond number four, I gave, initially, I gave a 7.5, but just thinking about the fact that it's actually issue four, and there's 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 a lot of questions, so I'll dig the mystery, but it's two issues left, and not much has really happened in the first four. So I'm dropping that bad boy down to a seven. So we're still in the ticket. We're still in the ticket. 6.5, yeah. we're half a point away. Yeah. All right. Well, we had one funky multiverse story. And I suppose with one issue left, let's get into more funky multiverse stories, shall we? Why the hell not? Uh, we are Next in... up, Dark Crisis, Wad of Dirty to- Toilet Paper, number three. <laughs> that is right. It is the Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths starting next issue. Yeah, so this is written by Joshua Williamson with pencils from Daniel Semper, inks from Daniel Semper, Daniel Enrique, and I don't know why you're not called Daniel Mickey, Danny Mickey, uh, colors <laughs> from Alejandro Sanchez, and letters from Tom Napolitano. So, as follows, this is what happens in this month's Green Lantern number 14. At least that's what it fucking feels like. Uh, so <laughs> the, the people are scared Deathstrokes uh, Henchmen uh, uh, I wanted to call them Villainy Inc but that's that's another bad book Fucking Secret Society shit um, they're running wild uh, giving the beat down to heroes all over the world and the people are calling for the Justice League but they're not coming because they're fucked up uh, so Gar is in hospital and Dick just feels shitty about it and the entire Bat family, or at least the sidekicks, and uh, the Teen Titans are there outside the hospital trying to figure out their next move. Roy and Jason share moments where, don't worry brother, I remember, we'll find Leanne. Uh, Leanne Harper will be found, and Roy will be reunited. I fucking hope. <laughs> it's only been two years. Let's get on this shit. Um... So they're trying to to figure out what the hell they're going to do next when everything seems dire. Uh, But then they reference Black Adam's team, uh, i.e. the Justice League. And then we get a little look through uh, the grapevine of where each member of the Justice League is is right now under the uh, helpful protection of Black Adam. Uh, It's not going well. Uh, Some people are off doing stuff. Some people are... are, uh, they're they're doing they're doing some stuff, but you know Black Adam is thinking it's it's not going well enough. There's shit falling all over the place. Terrific's Island is under siege. Kondok is under attack. 
We need defenses in the Hall of Justice fortified. Uh, Corto Maltese has fallen, and that place is already a crime-ridden swab, so what the hell happened to it now? You know. So they have Count Vertigo held hostage, captured at the Hall of Justice. And I say held hostage because Black Adam has him in a chokehold to end his life. Man's bleeding out yeah. of his nose, <laughs> which he's supposed to be doing to other people, yet he's got the bloody nose. So <laughs> you know shit's right. going down. And the entirety of the entire other just uh, members of the Justice League are saying, let him go. Calm the fuck down. What are you doing? We don't do that. And eventually, just as he's about to crush Vertigo's skull, uh, Yara Floor, Wonder Girl, comes in, lassos Black Adam's arm, and pulls him away. It says, you know what? I'm joining the team. As Black Adam storms out of there saying, you're all a waste of my time. So Yara says, I, I've, saw, I've seen what's been going on and I've decided I need to join your little Justice League. But as Damien says, there is no Justice League. And says, Black Adam is but right. Da- Damien, al- yeah, yeah. I was just going to yeah. say, Damien also agreed with Black Adam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they have Silly to reach Damien. the darkness uh, to be ready for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so John is saying, like, what a Justice League does is it gives hope. And Damien goes, maybe that's why they died. But then they are interrupted by by uh, people flying in the sky saying, if there is no Justice League, how about a society? And, uh, sorry, Jeff, John, somebody beat you to it. The Justice Society arrive to help out the entire fucking justice society we have both wildcats uh we have our man fuck i wanted to call him extant for some reason fucking obsidian <laughs> green lantern uh did i say our okay i need to go and like clock like yeah I, i'm going all over the place so i'm getting lost okay we have the hawk man and hawk woman that is shayara hall i believe not kendra saunders uh after these messages oh, we'll be there. right back Sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to do that. It's about an hour. All right. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you have both Hawks, Hawkman and Hawkwoman. You've got Power Girl, Cyclone, uh, female Wildcat, whose name I don't actually remember. Uh, Jade, Obsidian. Isn't it, Alan Scott, isn't it just Wildcat? Well, I mean, like the the civilian name. Ah, the hero name is okay. just Wildcat, but but Ted Grant is also here. Both Wildcats are here. You have Doctor Midnight, Our Man. Jakeem Thunder, uh, the new Doctor Fate, and Mister Terrific, and Atom Smasher, uh, pretty much the entire Justice Society minus Jay Garrick, who was off with the Flash family. Uh, so uh, that that then. is Hawk Woman and Hot Girl. I had to go grab the book and open it back up. Can you yeah. answer me one question? I forgot to write down. Oh wait, never mind. Uh, I'm an idiot. Never mind. I'm not even going to tell you what that question was. Oh, no, I want to know now. <laughs> I want to know now. <laughs> oh, my God. I opened it up. I'm like, why does Blue Beetle have a cape? <laughs> Don't worry. As I said, I was going to call him Extant. I, I have no okay. idea why. <laughs> that's worse. <laughs> Extant is a red Yes, costume. that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. So, no, that is Obsidian. <laughs> Uh, I don't know when, uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's a female Dr. Fate, or not Dr. Midnight, rather? Yes. Yeah, when, when yes. the hell did that happen? But I don't understand, did 
I don't remember. Um, maybe I just forgot, but I don't remember Alan Scott and Obsidian finding Jade. Remember when she disappeared? That Am I just forgetting in, them finding uh, her? In Infinite Frontier, I think, because she she had rejoined Infinity Inc. when they were like kind of lost in, in in the universe, and then Alan and Obsidian had had gone off. They ended up in space. I don't remember how it all concluded, but they all found each other again. Okay, I couldn't remember them finding each other, but all right, good deal. Yeah. Good deal. So, the Justice Society is back, and you'll have to wait till next issue to see what they do, because that's the last time you see them this issue. Uh, Now we go over to Deathstroke HQ, where uh, Slade Wilson himself is fighting with a voice inside his head that's claiming he has a mission, you must create a crisis. Which, fuck, it's issue three. If you haven't created the crisis by now, <laughs> the fuck you doing, bud? Right? The fuck you doing, bud? Yeah. Um, I know I know what you're doing. <laughs> right? Fuck, I don't know what you're doing, bud. Shit. So, uh, some members of the Secret Society uh, come in saying that, uh, look what we found trying to sneak in. And it's none other than Ravager, who's a little beaten and torn up. Um, didn't know Deathstroke was alive wonders why uh, he didn't come and find her and she had no clue and this is a new low and is this all because of Respawn even though you barely knew him but then he, he reveals that no this this is this is bound to happen but you need to be my legacy and then as he turns his face is still in the shadows but she can see some black goop running down his face and she wonders what the hell is happening with him he says, I've become part of something bigger. The darkness is speaking to me. Because as I mentioned earlier, you can't look up the darkness. I'm turning into Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck no. That's what, went through my, that's what went through my fucking head when I saw that shit leaking out of his fucking face. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway... So Ravager kicks him down, saying, stay away from me. And uh, the the members of the Secret Society, including uh, fucking Prometheus, who used to be a badass, and now he's a bad character, uh, is just running to his side. And then Slade says, perfect timing, and with a cock of a bird. K-A-W-K, I don't know why he's cocking like a bird. Uh, black and green flies out of his uh, mouth and all over the the secret society members were screaming in agony please god no uh and then slade says i think i know how to start a crisis and then it cuts away uh very ominous very curious uh we then go to sector 666 in the on the planet riot with the green lantern core which this for me it was very much like a Guardians of the Galaxy and Infinity War moments, <laughs> where you get you get the the upbeat music and you're like, I know it's the Planet of Death and it's the Black Lanterns, but is for me it was just finally the Green Lanterns are back. <laughs> um, yeah. So the Which entire core Hal has brought them out to the Planet Riot, where the Black Lantern power battery has lit up and is back. Uh, and as Hal is explaining to Joe and Kyle, uh, through Black Adam, he found out that uh, Necron was 
working with Pariah. And he always suspected that Necron was connected to something bigger, so now he knows what he has to do, and he's going to go check it out solo, and he needs the Green Lantern Corps there in case something goes wrong. But Kyle and Joe says, hey, nah, you're not just uh, leaving us out to dry. We're coming with you. We're partners. Uh, so Hal says uh, to Guy and Simon, if we're not back in 24 hours, destroy the Black Lantern, but if anything comes out and it's not us, Guy knows what to do. So the three of them go in. Uh, into the Black Lantern, we see Black Lantern versions of the trio as they fall through a dark abyss and land into uh, the mysterious area that Pariah has his machine with the various planets, which I believe is is the old multiverse. Uh, so Kyle, Hal, and Joe are trying to stand up to him. Um, and they're, they're claiming that he has no power and that they're going to take him out. And Hal fires a beam, uh, uh, a construct of the Justice League that have fallen uh, to chase after them. But Raya just absorbs the power. So Kyle and Joe run their interference and start shooting him with green beams as, as Hal goes for the Earth Green Lantern Point One planet and touches it. He realizes he's never felt anything this powerful before, and Pariah goes crazy, saying, don't touch my worlds. Uh, and, oh my god, I just realized what that is. <laughs> no, just that one panel, if you look at the page, Josh, uh, where Hal is touching the planet and talking about the power, which I believe mm-hmm. is, is page 21, that, that third panel on the right there, does that not look anything like that one cover of Green Lantern, Green Arrow? Oh God, it does, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> just just a little bit. <laughs> Never again. Oh yeah, but I mean, yeah. close enough to call it close enough to call it a homage. Yeah. Um. So as Hal is absorbing the power, he says, "These are not worlds, Pariah. They're weapons." Yeah, or it's turning the Justice League into weapons as the power. It illuminates and bursts him into flame, and he fades away uh, seemingly twice. It, it was really weird how that... Oh, no, I get it. Okay, it's a zigzag. I see, I was reading a classic yeah. comic style, left to right, and then top to bottom. Yeah. Never mind. I get it now. Fuck, that really confused me until just now. Uh, so he wakes up without his ring. He's in his bomber jacket. He wakes up on a planet that is very green. Uh, he doesn't have his ring, and he says, maybe I can borrow one, because there's Green Lantern shit everywhere. And uh, he almost gets crushed by a a construct sword, and looks up, and there is a few people you might recognize. Uh, we see a Green Lantern, Jason, uh, Green Lantern, Kyle. Uh, fuck, what? Oh my god, J- Jason. I want to say Jason Blood. Why am I blanking on this bloody name? <laughs> Red Hood. Jason Todd? Jason Todd. Jason. Fuck, I could not think there, of the name Todd. Go. Holy that's, shit. That's okay. Wow. Oh, my God. Uh, see, Green Lantern Kyle Rayner as, like, a judge or an executioner type deal. Uh, Green Lantern Jason Todd. And I believe that is Green Lantern Natasha Irons in her steel outfit or armor. Yeah, rather. that's Natasha Irons and definitely Jason Todd. Yeah. Is the one in the middle that that that's that's Kyle Rayner, right? I definitely want to say that's Kyle, just based on the hair. 
That's and that's kind of where I was. He shouts at Hal, says, "You are not welcome on this world. This is Sector John Stewart." And Hal goes, "Sector what now?" Uh, <laughs> that's all we see for now. I imagine we'll see them again in Worlds Without a Justice League Green Lantern number one coming out at some point in the next few months. Um, it might be this month actually. It's either this month or this month is Wonder Woman. I don't remember. Uh, but then we cut into the the meanwhile with the epilogue. Black Adam has flown off to a swamp-like area. He's talking to somebody off-panel, saying, are you aware of what has happened? Deathstroke is out of control, and the heroes left behind don't understand. They didn't see what I saw. The Justice League is never returning. They're too concerned with hope, but I believe it is time for Doom. And on the last page, you see the Legion of Doom in full force. And this isn't look. even the Legion of Doom, though. I feel like this is just a random grab bag of bad guys. Well, you have you have the core Legion of Doom there. Ish, and, we've and a got whole bunch of extras. <laughs> we've got, got Lex Luthor, got Lex Luthor, Sinestro, Punchline, Shana, Black Manta, and Gorilla Grodd, and Vandal Savage. And Vandal Savage, who is supposed is supposed to be a good guy now. Dead. Yeah, well, dead. That's dead? true. Yeah, died as a good guy. He's a part of the DC Illuminati, whatever they're called. I forget. Oh yes, but, that's yeah, right. I forgot they're about that. dead. Yeah. Lex uh, Luthor, Punchline, Vandal Savage, Scarecrow, Grodd, Black Manta, Cheetah, Sinestro, the Flash Rogues, or at least yeah. uh, Captain them. Cold, Glider, Captain Bang, Boom, Boomerang, and Mirror Master, I want to say. I don't think that's top. No, that's, the only one uh, I don't know. Weather Wizard and Heat Wave. Oh, oh is it Weather Wizard? Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe. I, I the the costume looks like that is. Ca- so I could be wrong, but it, okay, maybe it is. But that is definitely Captain Boomerang. That's not Heatwave. No, uh, Captain Boomerang is next to Heatwave. He's between Cold and Heatwave. I am. Oh, you mean all the way in the back? That's that. That's Weather Wizard. So, <laughs> floating, floating the in the black and the gold. Yeah. yeah, I'm sitting yeah, here so looking then... at fucking. Okay, so, all right, I'm sitting here looking at who you're calling Heatwave, and I was thinking that that was Mirror Master, and I thought we were talking about the same fucking dude. Oh. Nope that 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 yeah. I was like that doesn't look like fucking Weather Wizard at all, man. <laughs> of course, the the Weather Wizard they got going on here is looking a little Chris Angel. But, yeah, um, I I could be wrong. It just it reminds me of the, the, the most recent Weather Wizard costume. So, but the next issue, Deathstroke versus case. Legion of Doom, as it is. Um, yeah, so that's the issue. That is all thirty pages of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number three. And now, <laughs> um, there's there's two ways to look at this in my point of view. So for a story about mm. personal moments. And what you would do in a time of grief, as well as also a Green Lantern book, it's good. It's good. I like it. For that, it's good. But for a story that's part three of a seven-part summer event crisis, it's awkward and lazy. We we just talked about the same idea with Flashpoint Beyond number four, that you're in part three of seven for a summer event that you're calling a dark crisis. That is the crisis of all crises that we've heard a million times already. and It's supposed to change the DC universe forever. Universe. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, oh. you're taking a super fucking slow, bud. 
where is this going? It's almost no story here. It's just people reacting to things for the last three issues. There's, there's I know not why. much happening. There's just, they're literally, everyone is just, something happens, they react. Something happens, they react. That's it. I know there's, why. There's, what's the whole purpose of this? It feels like there's no purpose. Fuck it. Six point five out of ten. Now seven out of ten because lanterns. <laughs> lanterns. Gave Black it Adam. The lantern part confused the shit out of me. I'm like, I'm glad to see the lanterns show up, but what's going on makes me scratch my head and go, huh? Um, although I will say, well, why? What the fuck is up with? Um, so I get why Necron would be in Sector 666. Yeah. What I don't get is why Pariah and Necron would be working together because that makes no sense. Second, Sector John Stewart, that whole thing, while I admittedly think that Kyle, Jason, and Natasha look fucking cool as Green Lanterns, I'm, I'm really confused as to what the hell that's supposed to be. Because if these worlds are supposed to be their ideal worlds... No offense, Hal, but I just, I have this feeling like Hal would be in charge of everything. Well, it's not, it's not Hal's world he fell into. He fell into John's world. Oh, he did fall. Okay, I'm, I must, yeah. must have m- m- missed that. But um, Black Adam going to the Legion of Doom after the new kids won't listen to him uh, when he says hurt, kill people. Cool. Good idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, one I definitely should have seen coming. I just didn't. The art is always good in a Dark Crisis book. This one is no different. That was the end of the compliments. Um, <laughs> the whole instability with the new Justice League, where it's literally, hey, we're getting together. No, we are not. Um, well, can we please to get together? I tell you what, we're not going to be the Justice League, but we will hang out in the hall and stare at each other a lot. That cool? That'll work, dude. Um, there's a shit ton of heroes calling themselves the JSA. Uh, old timers, new timers. Um, I've never seen the JSA that big before. And why they're floating in like they just got the town, I don't understand. Um, you would have thought that the JSA would have responded immediately when the Justice League was announced to be dead. Yeah. Uh, the again, the whole sector John Stewart stuff. Don't get it. The Black Lantern stuff. Oh, I mean, okay, I guess. I don't see why we needed Necron here whatsoever. It, nothing. Um, so this is this is Williamson throwing every good idea DC has ever had at a wall. He's he's taking a bunch of pieces from different puzzles. And a giant fucking mallet, and he's trying to smash them together. This is this is single-handedly the most ambitious thing that Williamson has ever done. But the king of non-endings are is going to deliver just that. A non-ending. That's why every fucking issue that comes out is just page by page Bendis dialogue. This happens. Oh, really? That happened? Yeah, that happened. You're shitting me. This happened. That's every fucking page. It's not a million balloons on one page doing it. 
but it's the same fucking thing spread out across the entire issue. There's nothing going on. Just a bunch of people saying, hey, we should do something. And another group of people saying, but you won't do it right. What the fuck is that? Yeah. Uh, Okay, so... uh, There's nothing in this that makes me believe that this is going to be any kind of flavor of good. I give this a lower score than I gave another issue earlier that I called just a comic book. Because this is a whole lot more than that. So far, this this is a whole just an event, which is weird to say. It's a shitty event. I think... I would recommend Identity Crisis before I recommended this. Or Zero Hour. And please, let's get this straight. 100% straight. There is a big difference between paying homage to someone, like we see in the Batman runs that Rob and I were talking about. There's a big difference between that and thinking you can do it better. Nobody's going to do Grant Morrison, Williamson. You might think you're getting close, but you're not. You're really just embarrassing yourself. This is bad. This is the this is worse than death metal. The 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 second part of Batman who laughs with Perpetua and Apex Predator oh, yeah. and all of that shit. Yeah. That was horrible. This is worse. I give I, I with the art and um the the cool way the cool way that the Green Lanterns looked at the very end, Kyle, Todd and, and Natasha, um that helped out a whole fucking bunch and it raised it up to six point five out of ten. No oh, fuck no. <laughs> we had the same bloody score. <laughs> yep. Oh shit. Yep. Well, same man. bloody score. Well, we have talked about a whole whole lot of books. Let's talk about our favorites. Yes. What do you got? Oh, buddy, I I had a few. Uh so number 3, I put Poison Ivy. Uh, so like I said, sleeper hit, of, sleeper hit of the summer. It's been a blast. Number two, I had new champion of Shazam. Doc Shaner makes it, but the story is also fantastic. Mm-hmm. And number one, I had Batman. I had to give it to it. God, it's been so long since I think I've had Batman as number one. <laughs> I actually don't know. <laughs> Me what too, my I've friend. Been doing this. 86 episodes now I've been doing this. I don't know if I've ever had Batman at number one. So... Here we are. <laughs> I know that I have. I just can't remember the last time I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what was your favorite moment, Rob? Oh, favorite moment. There, there was a lot of cool moments, uh, but I had to give it to Zurenar. That was that was a jaw dropper. Indeed, it was, and I will let you know right now that that is my favorite moment as well. When I saw when I saw Brandon tell you that you were going to shake your pants. I couldn't believe he didn't send that message to me. Holy shit. I sat up. Batman R.I.P. stuff. Yeah. Weeks. Yeah. Yep. But uh, it's I, like I sat up. I didn't shit myself, but I was seriously surprised. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. And then my top three. Um, 
Number three is going to go to Batman, White Knight, Red Hood, Blue Pants, Black Socks, number one. It's awesome. It's a great expansion of the White Knight universe. And and Red Hood, Black Socks is just fantastic. Number two, I am going to give to Poison Ivy because it is an emotional roller coaster that's done very well. It's probably some of G. Willow Wilson's best work ever. And number one, I am going to have to give the Batman 126. This is sick. Why hasn't Zdarsky been on Batman way sooner than this? Yes. Please. But, uh, yeah, pl- oh, at least not for a while, man. And And you know what? Before you leave... Make sure we're not going to get anything fucking stupid like his dark designs before you take off. Please. Just please. Yeah. Please. Fuck. Last time we had good runs, that's where we ended up. Yeah. The designer, which was, surprise, the Joker, who we all fucking knew because all of his stuff was green mist. Ugh. Anyway. Oh, that fucking run pissed me off so much. <laughs> But um, speaking of things that piss me off, or at least things that we are not impressed with, I do believe it is time for the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Well, I think that is up to everyone's individual opinion, Cleveland, but I do agree that these ones are pretty gross. What is your biggest stinker, Rob? Okay, I had a hell of a time picking this, but I think uh, it's batman killing time like the art was good but the story was just what the fuck happened <laughs> i don't know what this <laughs> is about still the so whole run the whole run was bad all right i have a bit of a tie for my biggest stinker but you know how i feel about ties so yeah i'm gonna ask you a question first okay which one is worse than the other. A story hmm. that says it will be something and wants to be good, but it doesn't know what that something is or how to be good. Or a story that knows what it is, that it does indeed do something and should be good, but doesn't care what it is, what it does, or if it's good or not. Which oh, one is worse? The latter. Then it's Dark yeah. Crisis. Okay. <laughs> that is my shitstorm. That is the biggest stinker. And my other option there was Flashpoint Beyond. Um, a story that says it will be something, but has no idea what it will be. That's the fucking dead-ass definition of everything John's done in the last five years at DC. Not independently, He's got some good shit out there independently. He just needs to leave the capes alone. Like Williamson and Tiny. That is it for the biggest stinker, Rob. Yeah. And that is our show. Yeah. So, we made it. And remember, you can help support the show by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast for just a dollar a month. And you can join us online all over the place. We're practically everywhere. And as always, there's only one way to say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. Be good to yourselves.
and don't, don't be a robot. robot.